0: This is Waitley.
1: Good morning. We start with a nod to the late Patrick Smith, particularly poignant just after nine on a Monday when the SEN airwaves were his stage alongside KB. Fearless and fearsome for so long, his old world, old school daily column commanded the back page of the Australian and demanded your attention. Patrick had the whole suite. He could write beautifully about the majesty of sport, he could be caustic and confronting, a frightful adversary for sports administrators if he had you in his sights, and he was never better than when he was campaigning. He'd take a position based on principle and prosecute it dogmatically and relentlessly across days and weeks and years. By sheer coincidence yesterday I was listening to the press box podcast where Brian Curtis was lamenting the absence of the crusty sports columnists who would come in strong and land an extreme opinion with such gravitas that it would tilt the axis of a debate. Curtis said, we can't get the right answer unless we explore the polarities of possible responses. I thought immediately of Patrick Smith, who on the Australian sporting landscape represented one of the last of the old guard on that front, the prescribed daily column from which to pound the pulpit and provoke a response. In his own sporting days Patrick had been a firebrand fast bowler for Peran and the easiest analogy was to say his writing was always off the long run. What most readily comes to mind well that'll be different for all of us who read him religiously for me it's cornflakes his satirical columns about Grant Thomas bitingly funny and borderline cruel he was profound when Adam Goods was being booed and Max from Mornington remembers that this morning I recall him debating a caller who stated, I'm on the right side of history booing Adam Goods for staging for free kicks. His retort, you're on the wrong side of being a human. He thought at its inception, the A-League could legitimately threaten the dominance of the AFL if soccer could unite. He took up against the whip in racing, a battle that still rages and I often think how he would have feasted on the days of Peter Volandi's. As a cub reporter, I'd spend the feature spring carnival days in his orbit, wondering what was capturing his eye and looking forward to reading his thoughts on a Monday as a lesson in what to look for. Throughout the profession, he is admiringly remembered today and I'm sure for many of you as well. We send our thoughts to Sue and his family. A giant of sports journalism is lost. Vale Patrick Smith.
2: Turned on Carlton because of your passionate hate for them. You just pulled the wrong rein here. It's an easy get
0: for him. You're right, Sam. Oh. It's lazy broadcasting. Kevin, they've paid a fortune to wear this gear, yeah. okay? So Nike would have loved it. In the context of that, it is not
1: offensive and it is not sexist. On Hungry for Sports, Patrick Smith. Monday mornings just after nine for old time's sake. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you'd like to share a memory. The 40 Wings temper text 0433 98 11 16 temper a mattress like no other. Snap judgments from a weekend of sport. They're they're vast. The opening weekend of the AFLW final series was remarkable. Fourth beat first, third beat second, eighth beat fifth. The Swans have gone from being winless in their inaugural season to semi-finalists. Chloe Malloy is on a trajectory to being the biggest star in the game the next face of the league post, Daisy and Aaron, separate to the best player, the biggest star. And Scott Gowans, well, his coaching stocks are on the rise once more. It never really made sense when he was tipped out of North Melbourne and his signing looks profound as Sydney defy the challenges of the late startups. Most startling though was yesterday, I don't know whether you were watching it, the Kangaroos mauling of Melbourne. So North Melbourne, North might have been bound to win the flag in the season that was scuppered by COVID when it was called off after the first weekend of finals. And since then, they've failed to stack up in these moments. They've never quite belonged with the powerhouses of the Crows and the Lions and the Demons. And I don't know, perhaps that was all rolled into yesterday's performance as they totally dominated the reigning Premier.
3: I must admit, driving here today, I wouldn't have thought that... uh we would have won as comprehensively as that, you know. Given Melbourne are just a, a really great outfit and have been for a long time, and you know it's our first uh, first victory over them. So um, for us, you know, there was no mention that oh, you know, it'd be good to get the monkey off her back and oh, we've got to beat one of the big three. Doesn't doesn't happen. You know, when we become the team we want to become, um, those results would just start to just take care of themselves.
1: Darren Crocker in the aftermath, stunning victory. So Melbourne and Adelaide go the long way round and the advantages are with Brisbane and North. The conclusion to the Melbourne Cup Carnival, I thought was suitably brilliant. Champions Day is a masterful idea. And the day's top flight races are superior now to Derby Day. So we've got a means test coming to close all of that off. And the group stage in Crickets World Cup has concluded. Australia enters the semifinals on a seven-game winning streak. They finished behind the two teams who beat them at the start of the tournament, India and South Africa. Each win feels like it's been marked by a standout individual performance. I think that's a bit of the the tale of 50 over cricket now. And on Saturday night, that was Mitch Marsh.
4: Into the gap, 100 for Mitch Marsh, a fine knock. His second time of this World Cup. Teammates are on their feet, crowd are on their feet, and the big boy from Western Australia has done a fine job for his country. That's gone. Lofted away over square leg. A ninth-six to Mitch Marsh. Yeah, it feels great. Um, Probably had a few games in the middle of the tournament where I lost my intent, so um, yeah, it's really good to sort of learn quickly and back myself. I'm probably going to fail a few times, but... um, yeah, hopefully I come off more than I don't. I'm sure my nano and mum and all the family will be watching at home, so hopefully it's put a smile on their face. Um, yeah, my pop was a, a great man, and uh, they celebrated his life um, yesterday afternoon. Um, I'm sure they probably had a few beers too. So um, yeah, it was nice to um, be able to perform for the family, but just good to get a win.
1: An innings loaded with emotion for Mitch Marsh. It's his second ton of the tournament. So much of Australia's fortunes, I think, rest with the top order. Marsh batting at three behind Warner and Heads. It all goes on trial on Thursday night against South Africa in a semifinal. So in amongst your snap judgments, one three hundred seven three six seven three six and the forty wings temper text oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen temper a mattress like no other. Tim Payne gets us underway this Monday.
5: Hello to you, Tim. Morning, Jared. How are you? Did you enjoy the Mitch Marsh innings? I certainly did. Yeah, I was. I've been laid up in the last week, so it was nice to sit on the couch and watch. And um, obviously, he's been through a bit of a tough time um, from a family point of view. So to see him bounce back like that and um, have him in such good form going into a semi final is going to be really crucial. His his
1: driving,
5: his lofted driving, his inside out driving. Um, he 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 is a monstrous figure when he is in that sort of mood. He's incredibly hard to bowl to for that reason. If you are slightly over-pitching just the sheer size and strength of him, all he has to do is bunt through the line of the ball, and in India it's going for six. Uh, But I think he gets a lot of those balls because they know if you bowl back of a length to him... The fact that he's from Perth, if you're bouncing above the top of his stumps, he plays that pull shot off the front foot and he isn't trying to keep him down. He's trying to hit him out of the grandstand. And at the moment, both of those shots are working really well for him. And when they are, he's, he's near on impossible to bowl to. So the, the, the environment around
1: him, so he he came home with the the death of his pop and then the family, who are such a storied cricket family, <laughs> they yeah. sort of almost, I don't know whether they sort of, pushed him back or just encouraged him to be where they thought he should be as part of a World Cup campaign. Is that, I'm fr- He's still a young man. That That's a yep. lot to deal with um, on the family front, on the team front. And then I've, I found it inspiring to see him bat like that.
5: Yeah, absolutely. To, to go through all that and then to turn up. I mean, to, to turn up and perform in a World Cup game regardless is, is hard work. But you put all that stuff that's going on in the background makes it even more challenging it's it, you can be distracted there's a lot that goes on in india alone and throw that into the background as well the fact that um you know the world cup semi was potentially on the line um so you look he, he played superbly and as i said he looks in magnificent touch and i think the south african attack will actually suit him they've got guys that bowl with speed on um they'll obviously i think bring some spin into their into their 11 but the guys rabata magiddy jansen guys like this Pace on really suits Mitch Marsh and David Warner. So I like us in this semi-final matchup.
1: Okay, so we've had the nine games now. Australia lost the first two. They looked uh, looked moody and jaded in those two games against India and South Africa. And then they have found their way into a long tournament. Those who have lived this cautioned at the time, just you have to find your feet and build your momentum. What do you think of Australia's campaign with seven wins on the trot?
5: Yeah, I think we're in a great spot. Clearly coming in with seven wins in a row, we're doing something right. Um, But I think it was, it was really clear at the start, whether the, the South African tour into the Indian tour just took a little bit of an edge out of us. We looked tired. We looked a little bit frustrated. And I think as the tournament's going on, whether that, you know, we just get one win out of the way early when Adam Zampa bowled beautifully, Um, And it feels like from that moment, the pressure's kind of released a little bit. We obviously didn't finish well in South Africa, weren't fantastic against India. and, And people probably forget before that as well, we didn't have our best team on the park in either of those series. So the first two games, the guys came back together. They started to feel more familiar in the roles that they're used to playing with guys at the other end that they're used to playing with get that um, formation right. And then since that moment, I think we've just got better and better. I wouldn't say we've absolutely nailed it. There's still been some issues with the new ball trying to get make early inroads. We're not playing spin fantastically. We haven't put together a complete performance, but as you touched on at the start of the show, I think we've had some individual brilliance, which has got us through games, which you need in World Cups. And the momentum is building for us to play a really good team game. I still think the individuals are going to win us games, but... We need a little bit more role play if you're going to beat teams like South Africa and like India in the coming games. So
1: what's, what's the biggest area for concern? So I thought Australia's – actually, it was funny with Sean Abbott there. Australia's death bowling actually looked quite good with Abbott there. Yeah. That the top – and I'll, probably, I'll do the numbers later in the week. The bowling in the first 10 overs, and it was there again against Bangladesh, a little concerningly, I thought. Is If, if, I, if I was to pick one major area, it's the bowling at the top that's bothering yep. me
5: what about you yeah same i would say there's probably two that are bothering me there's the bowling at the top and our inability at the moment to make inroads if and again coming into the two semi the semifinals and final potentially against two unbelievable unbelievably dangerous batting lineups if we're not making early inroads you're looking at 350 plus So we need to be able to do that. The second one is, and I'm sure South Africa will bring in Shamsi, the the Chinaman left arm wrist spinner to go with Maharaj to go and even Aidan Markram to give them three potential spin bowling options. That play of spin through the middle, both these teams I think are going to pick teams to bombard us with spin. India clearly will do that if we play them in the final. Uh, So that's something that, that needs to be addressed. And I've said it the whole way along. And Mitch Marsh said it after the game against New Zealand. It's a mindset thing. He came out against New Zealand after we got off to a flight. If, if we come out with the right mindset and intent against spin, the batters and the quality that we have in that team can can face their spin and prosper. If we come out and we're slightly negative, that's when they're all over you. So for me, yeah, new ball bowling, how, what are we going to do to change to get some early wickets? And our mindset and our intent and the courage to take their spinners on is going to be really important in these two games. So Mitch Stark, who for a long time has been Australia's best white ball
1: bowler, uh, he's taken uh, 10 wickets at 44. His economy rate is 6.5. I feel like we've spent the whole tournament waiting for him to restore himself. And maybe, maybe in a way, you're thinking, don't do it too early, save it for what it matters. Do you think he still has that performance in him to shape the top of a semi-final or the top of a final.
5: Yeah, I absolutely do. There's no doubt a guy who's six foot six and can bowl 140 and can swing the ball can deliver on the biggest stage. We've seen him do it a number of times, uh, and I and I think he will. The conditions in India are also quite difficult. There hasn't been a lot of swing for anyone, uh, let alone Mitchell Stark. So um, the other guy who I think can who's obviously got big games in him in big moments, is the captain, Pat Cummins, and his numbers are pretty much identical to what Mitchell Starks are at the moment. So for us to be winning seven games in a row, going into a semifinal with some momentum and have potentially our two best bowlers nowhere near their best, you could spin it the other way and yeah. say, boy, when we click into gear, we are going to come good and we're going to be hard to beat. But um, yeah, I'd like to see a few slight changes with how we've been going about that. Um, we saw Marcus Stoinis used in South Africa and early in India in the one-day series beforehand with the new ball. He will swing the ball. Now, the pace is going to drop off, no doubt, but that's not a bad thing. I think if we're bowling to guys like Quinton de Kock, you need to get the ball off the straight because 145, 150 isn't overly quick to someone of his quality. It feels really quick as soon as it swings, but on the flip side of that, someone Marcus Stoinis's pace who bowls high 120s, low 130s, who can shape the ball just moving the ball off the straight can create chances. Plus you're forcing De cock and Bavuma and Russi van der to make the pace early, try and take Marcus Stoinis onwards. We you've seen it with England, with wood, you've seen Pakistan with Harris Ralph. If you get it slightly wrong at high speed in India, it goes the journey and yep. it's impossible to defend the grounds. Would you definitely play Stoinis? No, I wouldn't definitely play him. I, I, again, without seeing the wicket, I find it really hard to make a call. Um, what I will say is if we are, if the only way I'm playing Marcus Thorn is ahead of Marnus is if we use him with that new ball roll. If we don't, I'm taking the batting every day of the week because if we lose the toss at Eden Gardens, it looks like that wicket has worn and it has been difficult to bat. And I touched on this right at the start of the World Cup. The reason I would have had Marnus Labuschagne in our World Cup squad is because of this moment. If it spins, you need skill. If we're chasing in the second innings and they've got three spinners, we need a guy who averages 60 in test cricket. He's got the ability to handle that type of bowling and that type of pressure. Um, so if, if Stoin isn't going to use the new ball for a couple of overs and he's only bowled something like 16 or 17 overs for the World Cup, then I'm going to go with Manus ahead of him um, and bring Maxi in for Stoin.
1: Yeah, I've come around to that view as well. So Stoinis has only bowled 19 overs in the tournament. He's taken yep. four wickets. So he's not being used and he's made 87 runs. And I've said the whole way through, Labrachain and Smith are the same batter and their numbers bear that out. 286 to 268 runs averaging 36 and 38, two half centuries each high score, 71 each. There's only a slight (laughs) difference in the strike rate. Smith's striking at sort of 89 and and Labrachain at 77. But crash actually planted this thought in my mind a little while ago and I was thinking you don't need the same batter twice, but maybe here you do. And if you're not using Steiner, so I like your point, is if yeah. Stoinis is not going to bowl early overs, then give me the extra insurance policy. I flipped entirely on that.
5: Yeah. well, And as well, because we haven't been able to make inroads with the new ball, the other guy who comes in who we didn't have last game is Glenn Maxwell. And he has done well in 2020 cricket, adding 50 over cricket before when used in the power play. So I, I wouldn't be afraid to throw him the ball really early, particularly if there's left-hander like De Cock, in. Again, make them make the pace, do something different. We've gone with the quicks the whole tournament. Quint De Kock got hold of us last time. Throw throw some spin at them early just to change it up and see if we can get a lapse in concentration or just to give them a look at something different in that first 10. I think we've got to potentially get clever with it. Um, the other thing I would be doing, as well as using Maxi, is giving the skipper the new ball from the other end. Right. I'd be going, Pat, well, he'd be going to himself, wouldn't he? But Pat Cummins, give him the new ball. I actually like him with a brand new ball because what Pat can do is actually swing the ball into the right-handers and away from left-handers. I like that match-up to Quinton de Kock early from around the wicket. I think Pat just come in, try actually try and swing the ball for the first couple of overs. It's not something he normally does. Pat, he likes to hit the wicket and use the seam, which in India we're not having a lot of success with. I'd like to see him come in and bowl that big, booming, well, to a lefty, outswinger. Challenge uh, Quentin de Cox's outside edge and see if he can nick him off early. Do you think
1: South Africa's tragedy history in semi-finals plays a role? Are you a believer in in the
5: hoodoo voodoo? Uh, well, it's hard not to, isn't it? I mean, it's there; it's ingrained in them. Unfortunately, and so it's always a new group. But I think uh, you know this would be huge for South. It's huge for any country to to make a World Cup final. But having the history that they have in semi-finals again why it's so important that we start well with the new ball or if it's Warner and and head the ball out, because if you can throw them on the back foot again, they think, oh, no, here we go again. And that mental part of cricket, we've seen it with our own batters coming out, playing against spin. As soon as you can change their mindset into slightly doubting themselves in Indian conditions, the game can get away from you really quickly. So crucially, obviously, in every game you start really well, but more so in this one when history suggests that South Africa – could potentially go for water, go to water if we put them on yeah. on the back foot. The
1: the judgment that sits in all of these things for Australia going to a World Cup, have they have they achieved par making a, a semi final or is par for this Australian
5: team making the final? Our oh, par for this team is to win it. They they will not and we and that's how we judge all Australian cricket teams. We we are in World Cups to win them. There's no doubt about that and we can say, Oh, it was a pass mark or as this is that. It, they're there to win it. We expect them to win it. I know it's a huge ask in India, but it's a much easier ask to go there and win a one-day tournament than it is to go and win a Test match. Um, still hugely challenging given the form of South Africa and India. Uh, but, yeah, I think we, we left these shores to win this World Cup. We've got the quality of player the whole way through that list to win this World Cup. Um, you could probably say it, it would be a pass mark if we were to qualify for the final, but for this group of cricketers, they will not accept that. They, they're there to win it. India unbeaten. Is there any beating them in this tournament? Yeah, I think there is. I really do. Um, again, anything can happen in semi-finals. No team will feel the weight of expectation more than what India are about to walk into come a semi-final. There, they are expected to win it. They're the red-hot favourites. They're in their own country, their own conditions. They have a red-hot team. They've got every base covered. Batting at the top of the order, middle order. They've got spin. They've got pace. They've got skill. So to South Africa, so do Australia, um, and, but they run into New Zealand, who we know punch well above their weight, and pressure doesn't seem to get to the Kiwis. So again, a bit the same with our semifinal. I think if India can start well, and I think Trent Bolt is a nightmare matchup for Rohit Sharma and for Virat, if the ball swings. I, I don't know his record, but I've seen him get him out a lot. I've seen left-armers that can swing the ball what challenged those two great players. So I think I said earlier this morning... What New Zealand will do is make India play their very best cricket to beat them. And if India do slip up, New Zealand will be right there to make them pay.
1: Yeah, they have got quite the habit of that. Uh, Tim, great to start Mondays with you. Nice to, nice to see you up and well and enjoy these semifinals. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for having me. I'll chat to you soon. Good on you, Tim Payne. Sets us on our way. Your snap judgments one 736 and forty Winks temper text oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Our World Cup upla- updates are for Henley Homes. Henley's new home designs with drop prices, all the luxuries, and now seven seven star energy efficiency. We are calling the semi-finals and the final here on SEN Cricket from Wednesday night. Australia's is Thursday night. And then the final is Sunday night. You will hear every ball on SEN Cricket. Now, back to Waitley. Memories of Patrick Smith this morning. Jason Patrick Smith, what a leader. I was lucky enough to learn from Patrick at the age in my role as a cadet photographer when he was the sports editor. Loved his dry humour and fire to take on stories others didn't want to touch. RIP one of the Aussie press greats. Jason in Pottsville. Sam's in Thomastown. Hello to you, Sam.
6: Yeah, good morning. Yeah, yeah, Patrick Patrick Smith goes up on the on the Mount Rushmore of uh, footage journals because of his his beliefs. And uh, while Mike Sheen used to get at, uh Patrick Smith here yeah, couldn't get at him. Uh, I remember a couple of his articles. One of them was titled "Obladu obla, da It was a real great one. And also, he uh, he attacked uh, Mick Malthouse with his attack on on off hubris. But also, could I also add, it was great to see another great footy writer, Brent Croswell's tribute to Romba on Friday.
1: It was, it was, Sam. As his writing from that era, uh, it still ripples to this day.
6: Oh, yeah. He wrote he wrote eight or nine articles for the, for the age and it's a pity he didn't write more, you know. I've been, I was lucky enough to have a beer with him at Fitzroy, mate. And you just talk footy with him. in just a normal bloke like that. Really great, really great. Thanks, Jared.
1: Good on you, Sam. Lovely to have your thoughts this morning. Uh, Alex had text through. Jared, this is like talking to my girlfriend about my ex-girlfriend. I'll never forget Patrick saying, "Kevin, it was uh, said with alert announcement arrogance, but most of all, it grabbed both ours and Kevin's attention." Valé, Patrick. Very sad news regarding the passing of Patrick Smith, a fearless journalist and great wordsmith. Valet, that is from Susan and uh, David in Newport. Crisp, incisive, and excellent analysis from Tim in the Paddy Smith time slot. Apt, very nice. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen one three hundred seven three six seven three six. On a cricket front, Richard is in cows. Hello,
6: dear Richard. Uh, good morning, Jared. Jared, I think there should be two changes for that next match against South Africa. Look, I keep Abbott in that side. I think um, Maxwell comes in for Stornis, And the other one is, oh, I can't see why Kerry got dropped.
1: Yes, yeah. Well, they made that change right at the start of the tournament. I, I, you can't go back now. They're, they're eight games into that. And while Inglis has not set the world on fire, um, that was the choice they made after the first game. I don't think you can do it on the cusp of a semi when you've won seven in a row, Richard. That, that would be destabilising.
6: Yeah, so what do you? What are your thoughts on Maxwell
1: for Stoyness? Yep, that's what I would do now. So I've changed my mind on that. Uh, the whole way through, I was thinking semifinal, not Smith and Labashane in the same team, but they're not using Stoyness. So give me the extra batting insurance. So you and I are alike there, but Stark will come in for Abbott. I really liked Abbott's bowling, but Stark is still the front line of attack for Australia. And if they are to win this World Cup, it will largely be on the, on the back of a stark performance somewhere, I think. We haven't seen it yet, this tournament, but he has been their number one white ball fast bowler for years, and, and that'll be the case come Thursday night. Good on you, Richard. Uh, a few thinking the same way as, as Tim and Crash. Uh, knockout games need heavy-duty batters. High pressure means runs will be harder to score. Manus has to play. Recent history shows this. Stokes in the 2019 World Cup final. Stokes in the 2022 T20 final. Both low-scoring, high-pressure matches needed. Skill, patience and experience not slogging to win. Brad's in Eltona. Uh, And that's echoed a a few times on the text. Totally agree with Tim Payne. Marnus needs to stay in. Much as we love Stoinis, he needs to make room for Maxwell. Aaron from Druin. Let's go Aussies. Theo, in a moment, let's check in with Nathan in the newsroom. Nathan, thank you. Yes, yeah, so every ball of the semifinals and the final on SEN Cricket, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Sunday night. Theo's in Clayton South. Hello to you, Theo.
6: Hello, Jared. Could, I just wonder if you could please help me. I want to revamp the AFLW fixture for 12-round season. For the first nine rounds, I've worked out a computer program where the top nine play each other and the bottom nine play each other from season year 2023, where they play each other. I've got a wild card round top 10 fixture that might be interested in, and I want more Thursday night games to avoid the double clashes on Saturday. And I've got other features involved, but I'm having trouble getting it to the AFL over the past year. I need somebody to help me
1: please help me. Email it to me, waitly at sen.com.au, Theo, and I'll, I'll send it in the right direction. Um, creative minds, uh, there's a bit of fixturing on the mind, isn't there? Um, Thursday nights, why aren't we going to do more Thursday nights? Just a couple more. Next year. That is the slow drip from the AFL on that front from something that works. And we've got to look at Gather Round as well. So it'll all be part of the conversation today as we cast our snap judgments from the weekend of sport and uh, ping them through 1300 736 736 and 0433 98 Robert Craddock is going to join me in the 11 o'clock hour. He will have uh, had many a dealing, I'm sure, with Patrick Smith and this World Cup. After a long group stage, it happens in one hell of a hurry from here. The wisdom and experience of Robert Craddock. The means test at the end of the Melbourne Cup Carnival. John O'Neill every week for four weeks has tipped you in something for the battlers. What's he got today as we look back over Flemington? And I think the best winner of the week at Flemington was Pride of Jenny. With, I don't know, tones of Cyril Small and Rogue leading all the way to win back-to-back Group 1s. The owner is going to tell us about it next. This is Waitley for the all new Hyundai Kona. Imagine to be bold. Morris Finance. Skip the life admin with Morris Personal and Host Plus.
0: Waitley on SEN.
4: After 200 metres, it's a long home straight for Pride of Jenny. She's starting to walk. She's three legs. A tissue two and a half, two legs. Has she held on? Pride of Jenny, what a ride! Fortune favours the brave, won it by three-quarters of a length. Pride of Jenny starting the panel at the 200 metres. She's a length and a half in front of Alligator Blood, but she's fighting Pride of Jenny. She's still clear from Alligator Blood and Mr. Brightside. Pride of Jenny, this has been spectacular. And Pride of Jenny won again from Mr. Brightside, Alligator Blood.
1: She was the horse of the carnival for me. Back-to-back Group 1, Saturday to Saturday. The Empire rose the champion's mile, and there were champions in behind her. She's a six-year-old mare who'd had 23 starts for three wins going to Flemington, hadn't won a Group 1 prior, and then went bang, bang. Tony Otobre is the owner of Pride of Jenny, who'd be the, the pride of everything right now. Tony, congratulations, and welcome to the program.
7: Uh, thanks, Gerard. Um, Yeah, happy to be here, mate. I've got the right head for radio anyway.
1: <laughs> they would have been unforgettable times, wouldn't they? What's happened the last two Saturdays?
7: Um, yeah, look, uh, I thought the first uh, group one win um, on cloud nine constantly and uh, and then we come to Friday. I'm pretty excited about the Friday, the challenge, and that's what I call it. We uh, We weren't sure um how how we'd go against these uh three champions that are already running around and uh um pretty much I was with the uh the tipsters i 'm looking at fourth and hopefully we can sneak third but um yeah I just uh was absolutely blown away by the day and of course my family was and uh yeah it's uh it's it's great.
1: What did you know in advance – so she is a bold front-runner, and it was bold front-running. Declan Bates in both races set up big leads. Is Did you know it was going to be theatrical like that?
7: Always. Always, she—if you See, I've got, I've got to apologise to the punters who've backed her over the years and um, hasn't been able to get across the line. Um, she's always had some kind of a little issue happening with her, um, and then when she gets beaten, she gets beaten – by um some of the best horses going around in an example um still a star beater in the uh group to uh Kingston rose uh, a couple of years ago and um over fourteen hundred meters and just pipped her on the post she beat mystic journey mm-hmm. so that was the uh that was the uh day that I said this is one serious race horse um from then on we've just had little little niggling problems and um uh, we finally got on top of it and we had the perfect storm last week.
1: It was the perfect storm. How does the heart rate go when she swings for home with such big leads in these races? It's it's a,
7: it's, it's a great feeling because I know she's she's got the heart. She just goes that one pace. Um, um, she certainly hasn't got any kind of sprint, but she goes that one pace and that pace is pretty quick. Um, I think, it may have turned things around uh the racing industry you now have to go you you now have to do a 1600 meter sprint to keep up with pride of jenny
2: you you really do
1: um do, did you have a chance to celebrate with declan bates
7: not as yet um but i'm going out for lunch with him soon so we get, we're off uh in town and we have a have a chat and get together. Um, Declan's got a family, wife and uh, two kids. Um, they're a priority as far as I'm concerned, and uh, we'll get around to celebrating it for, at the right time. What
1: What would you have thought was possible coming to the Melbourne Cup Carnival for her, Tony? If I had spoken to you two weeks ago, what would you have said to me?
7: Um, I would have said that she was a great chance in the Empire Rose. Um, yeah. So we've got... Uh, uh, Ma Eustace, who have um, that's a that was our grand final, um, and you know you you can't go you, <laughs> you can't go uh, back on uh, what they what they sort of do. So um, she she was she was planned for that race. We did have an earlier plan to go to the Cox Plate, uh, but things uh, didn't go uh, accordingly earlier on in her prep, and um, we ended up with the Empire Rose. Um, so. Yeah, that was our, our goal and she got that um, and, yeah, that was pretty exciting.
6: How have you
1: gone, Tony, with, so in racing circles, your family story is well known but Flemington is about so much more than racing circles. What, what sort of, uh, th- these horses are named for your late daughter. What what sort of ripple effect ha- have you felt coming back as that story uh, resonates through the community?
7: Um, yeah, look, Every, every, i think everybody in racing is well of it, uh, aware of it by now that um you know Jenny our Jenny horses are named after our daughter who uh, passed away in 2015 and um yeah uh, we just uh, like to keep her memory alive and she was a, she was a champion herself um even ama Her father she was she was tops at everything she did she would be in the uh, top top 5% of anything that she tackled so she was a champion South, and, uh, yeah, we, we really miss her.
1: Have you felt a lot of love coming back as as that story is sort of shared more broadly?
7: Yeah. Look, um, you know, Westbrook fortunate compared to a lot of other people, and, you know, um, that, that, there's more tragedy out there than, than you think, and, and we feel um, sorry for um, people um, who, who go through tragedies. Um, we've gone through ours, but we've got something that... Um, is helping us to get through um, the, the, these times, and and I think only people who've been in tragedies can understand what I'm talking about. Um, that uh, you you need something like this to uh, you know, to keep you to keep you motivated, to keep you happy, to keep you um, coming forward.
1: Yeah, they're a beautiful memorial.
7: Uh, what what
1: next for Pride of Jenny Tony?
7: Um, well, we were drinking when we were talking and I think we were going to Hong Kong, Dubai, Ascot, um, not, um, USA. And then we, uh, we sobered up the next day and said, no, she's staying there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Any more now or to the spelling paddock and, and we'll see her again in the autumn?
7: Uh, no, look, she's, um, actually she's at the Maya Eustace camp at the moment. And, uh, actually we just loading up Jenny Lala and taking her down to the, um, uh, to Ma Eustace at Cranbourne. And, um, She's having some chiropractic uh, work done on her, um, and uh, Jenny Lala will get some chiropractic, and then I'll uh, bundle a bundle or two up and bring them back to the farm here and uh, put them in the house paddock, and uh, certainly keep her an eye on them and make sure they're happy with what they're doing. And uh, yeah, that's that's the plan for for both of those horses. Um, yeah, Brent, look, Brendan McCarthy, he's a, he's a chiropractor, um, which probably some people don't know. There's actually a horse chiropractor out there. Yep. Um, but that is the field. Um, we've had um, electromagnetic therapy with uh, Veronica as well and John Bunting, the farrier. These guys, you know, they're in the back and they're doing an enormous job. Um, she'd always had slight issues um, in racing. She um, Her tail would tuck under a bit and you can tell that there's something a little bit not not quite right. There's a, a little tinge that she's not happy with, and, and and the jockeys generally feel that she's not going well underneath them. And uh, all the races that you've seen that she may have run the sixth or a seventh, um, she's had issues with um, with a, a bone or muscle, and it's only been a slight, and it's not it was very hard to find. And um, we eventually uh, worked out at out the Maruses camp. Um, was certainly behind it and uh, we were able to get her 100% perfect with the help of those uh, three names that I just mentioned a minute ago. Um, and that's why she um, performed the way she performed. She always had that in her. It was just a matter of getting her um, 100% correct and that's what, what's happened this week.
1: Yeah, now We've got, she... to take
7: in mind all, got to take in mind also that she's the three seconds that she's had, um, she was beaten by still a star. Um, uh Amelia's Jewel and the um the other one was I uh, I've forgotten now. Um I think in a minute. Ah, Espiona. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so those three horses there, and they're they're the tops of you know of of what they're where they're at. And the the combined distance that she was beaten by those three was a, less than a length. So She's never gone down by less than a, a length on on those three races. So a short half head, 1.1 one point, point one of a length, and I think 0.75 of a length Yeah, the last one. She got so, hers
1: this time around, Tony. She got hers yeah. this time around. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, they were splendid races to see, and well done.
7: Thanks, Gerrit. Thank you very much.
1: Tony Otobre there, the owner of Pride of Jenny. Now, back to Waitley. Some lovely messages for Patrick Smith this morning. Robert Craddock was a long-term colleague, so he joins me at 11. Few tell a story better than Crash, so uh, he will join us then, and we'll spread into our cricket conversation. The racing means test at the end of the Melbourne Cup Carnival coming up, so still Group 1 racing next Saturday. How did we feel coming away from Flemington? Who's the best horse in the country? And there's a bit for the... Oh, no's.
3: Next. This is Wadeley.
1: The Melbourne Cup Carnival has come to its close. Our racing means test after each of these big days. The big opinions, and do we have some material to work with here. <laughs> Wayne Hawkes, chortling away. Hello to you, Wayne. Good morning, Jared. How are you? Johnny O'Neill. His, gosh, his, he looked after the battlers across the four weeks of this means test so far. Morning, Jared. Gareth Hall. We bring together Giddy Hello, Up Jared. and Waitley across these feature weeks. Hello,
3: Gareth. Hello, Jared. Good morning to you.
1: Get us going. Set the tone for us with the King's Gambits at the close of the 2023 Melbourne Cup Carnival.
3: Love the carnival. I thought Flemington performed really well over the four days it had it all. It was a little bit tough for the punters. We all know that. I blame the wind conditions for that, especially on the, the first and the last Saturday. But what I found interesting from the four days. There was a couple of things. Imperatriz is the best sprinter in the world after her victory in the champion sprint. Without a fight, it's a, I was trying to do my three, two and one on giddy up this morning. Do you give the three votes to the, without a fight as the best horse in the spring or is it Imperatriz who was unbeaten? We'll discuss that a little later on. I've got, I've lent towards maybe one of those horses for the the, the star of the spring. And I love the performance of Jamie Carr because for a jockey that was under so much pressure and she had lost form since that nasty fall there in the early part of the year, um, she was back as the leading jockey there at Flemington with six wins, so... Um, and. Pride of Jenny and the mayor's on the quick backup. Sensational stuff. There was so much to un- un- unpack there from the four days, Jared. There was. I thought Flemington was was resplendent. So 262,000.
1: Yep. I know we're a long way from those records of 400,000. These might actually be the ideal levels of crowds. I love the way that Flemington is now divided up into all sorts of different experiences. So the public lawn is is manicured and set up just like the members now. So that's a great experience out there. Then you've got the the rails and the birdcage and the nursery. You've got stages in all sorts of different places. It felt to me like, so there's a sophistication to it. You know what you're going to. This is a high-end major event and dress for it, behave for it. There's a huge element of fun to it. It looked like everyone was having a super time, particularly on Saturday when I was able to get out and wander around a bit. It just felt like it sort of re-established... But a little bit more than that is this is now what the Melbourne Cup Carnival is. It used to be. Les used to write about it being, you know, dress-ups and all this. Now it's it's finery. And it's I just think it's re-found its place as as one of our sporting major events.
0: I agree with you, Jared, And I think it's certainly fashion-led, wasn't it? It was amazing just to see everybody taking the bull by the horns, I suppose, and, and really dressing up for it. I think the, the point that you're making here is that you can go and enjoy a day on the lawn. you can go and enjoy a day from a music aspect out the back, or if you 're a really keen punter and you 've got an or an owner, you get an opportunity to experience that in a little bit of a different way than what the other guys do and I think that 's a challenge and certainly has been a challenge for for mm. racing over a period of time so I think um, you know Neil's done a great job leading the charge there, and from a marketing perspective, they must have done a lot of work Jared in finalising exactly where they wanted to set their audiences up. Because I agree with you, it was absolutely beautifully, beautifully articulated. There wasn't any challenges. I think the service, which has been a real challenge since COVID, no matter where you go, restaurants, hotels, has been a real challenge, I think, They'd obviously done a lot of work around training for staff because I thought it was seamless. I thought it was great.
1: I think the other aspect is the weather plays such a role. The sun shone on all four days. And I reckon for the last couple of years, we've battled biting cold and and rain as well, which is, it is a literal dampener on the celebration. But this, we were blessed, I felt, this year.
8: Well, I think cup year was uh, traditionally cup year from the point of view that, uh, you know, 100-1 shot runs third the Melbourne Cup. Winners fell over. Oh, sorry, favourites fell over. Uh, punters got beat. Bookmakers. Simon Zara this morning was going through some of the um, retweets and um, every bookmaker, yeah, it was fair. Won a little bit. Just lost. <laughs> yeah. Got Anthony Doherty and he went, yeah, we filled up. <laughs> and so good on you, Anthony. There's going to be 70,000 bookmakers around the country going, shut up.
0: Shut Wayne, up. I think a few of the punters fell over after Airman performed oh, the way he did. Was, but anyway, we'll talk about that no, later, no doubt. Yeah, bet that wasn't one, the only thing too. falling over. G. <laughs> Hall bet, first yeah. win ever. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good morning to you, John.
8: Morning, how's, how's Joe Moreira going anyway? You want to start? Let's start. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, Sorry? Has I'm, it sunk in yet? Joe's Jerry, quote on Wednesday was, when you're 85, do you think you'll look back? How about four days later? Wayne, back, four Robert? days later.
0: I've, I booked into the psychologist this morning. Going, <laughs> take going with straight you. after Take here. him with <laughs> you.
1: Take right. him with you. The big issue, Champions Day was dominated by the mayors. And as Gareth said, it was the crowning moment for the best sprinter in the land.
4: Front page joined by Imperatriz at the 200 meters. Buenos not it in secret, trying to chase down Imperatriz at the 150. Imperatriz in front. Guanis not coming coming her. but it's Imperatriz. She digs in. She's in neck in front. Another start here from a brilliant bear. Imperatriz from Guanis not in secret.
1: So I'd held out on Imperatries. She was a valley champion, had to do it at Flemington, and did. So walk that back now and full of admiration for the way does that she's she be, racing. Does she
8: become the best horse? Well, she's the is best she? sprinter in the land. She's yeah. the best. Yeah. Right really. So right the problem
1: was enough. she didn't front up in the Everest. No. And that's um, how, that,
8: but you know what? That's a story, Jared. Yes. That is a bloody big story because – You've foregone a race with total value of twenty million dollars to stay home and to be king of Mooney Valley and then we'll just put a cherry on top and go boom, I reckon that's as good a story. Geez, we love the tall poppy syndrome, don't we? Like all we
0: wanted to do was pop the fact that it was all Mooney Valley form, she had to go down the straight, there was a query whether she could do it, and she just did it on her own. Can I quickly say about down the straight? And this is not a this is not a pot on Opie Bossum. But
8: I just wonder whether he actually realised how fast he was going out in front. Because every horse around him punctured. They all punctured. Mm. All the best horses in the race came from near last because they were absolutely low flying. And to be honest, and I'm not potting him, he has said... He said three weeks ago, I haven't won up the straight before and she's never been up the straight. So I don't reckon he realised how quick he was going. I didn't see the sectionals, and I'm not a sectional man being Austrian. They the quick, I can tell you. Well, they have to have yep. gone quick because all those leaders around him punctured and all the backmarkers were whooshing home. I reckon that made her performance even better because of what she, uh, what she did on Saturday because she was entitled – to puncture and stop. I
3: hope he was surprised that it's Fira Mitchell Aiken didn't take that position that he, he found himself in. How could he?
8: Yeah. She was balling in front. Don't about Mitch Aiken. He was found doing the right his best. Well. Ashfura leaves by four in an oakley plate that yeah. can't, uh, can't couldn't keep up. Keep up.
3: Yeah. So, yeah, she's gone massive and she's the best sprinter in the world. Um, there's no doubt about that. I think she, I don't know if she goes to Royal Ascot or not, Jared, but I, I reckon talking to David Allison. They don't want to leave morning, Melbourne. <laughs> she'll be going to the Quokka. Which is right. well, we million? had a cracker
0: trying to get her there I last know. year, didn't we? Really? You and I were yep. talking about so, this and we thought it's the horse we want for the Quokka.
3: So Trackside New Zealand have purchased a, a slot in the Quokka that was announced today. And David Ellis is such a massive investor in New Zealand racing. I think he'll try and look after oh, Entain and Trackside. What do you mean you think? You know. Well, Come he on. did mention that. Come on, that, on yeah. I don't well, smirk. I don't know, but if I'm a betting man, she'll be heading to the Quokka. Will your horse go there too? Which
0: one? Amelia's
3: Jewel. Uh, yeah, I think she will. Really? Yeah. Well, what a race that would be. That Pride of Jenny form for Amelia's jewel looks yeah, pretty good there. So, so the TJ in Sydney and the Crocker? I, I think – That's think, what I was just thinking. Yeah, I don't know if she'll go to Sydney. I Like David didn't give too much away there because he said, I think she'll go to the Lightning in Melbourne. And then they might go to the the quacker. I reckon the quackers. Hang
8: on, hang on, hang on. Are we going quackering and then we are doing QF nine from Perth straight to London? Cause well, we a direct tried flight to, now. we tried. We couldn't do I that. I know we, that, we, we but is this, what, is this what they're know. aiming towards? I don't know because Perth is on the way to uh, to London and there's no stops. I mean, that would be the ultimate flight to get on you, to go to London. Imagine
3: Volandi's losing t like the not getting the the. the I'm going to sp- tell the you, best I'm the best sprinter in the world. Tiago Racing could be banned from racing in New South Wales if that happens. <laughs> He's That's got it. no chance yes. of getting
0: boxes in Sydney now. Yeah. You <laughs> can stay a cramble. i tell you what, he'd go to Ascot and just blow them away, I reckon.
3: But you win Just you, blow them away. As you said, it would have cost you, like, you only what, what you raise for is nothing really. Your first class flights and accommodation wouldn't have even paid for the prize money if you So won. I would
0: have thought for her, it would be setting her up for breeding longer term. Because there's no doubt, if you go over there and put the show on, the amount of money that is in Europe, and certainly from a Japan aspect, for those type of mares, is at least double what they would pay okay. here. Okay.
1: Once you're the champ, it becomes really important what you run in. Mm. I think. Um, and I don't reckon the prize money plays a role in Royal Ascot. You go. Know, so, no, what do you want to you be go. remembered by? All yep. you go. Yeah. So at the moment, she's the best sprinter. Is she, can she be an all-timer? Yeah. Well, those are, that depends on which races yeah. you choose and with her now.
3: I think, I think they proved that money doesn't really go, come into consideration with Imperatriz. Yeah. But I've just got a feeling with the Quokka that David Ellis is a massive investor in New Zealand racing. What Entain and, and, um, that organization has done for New Zealand racing, I reckon he'll try what's and look first, What's What's first in yeah. the Quokka? How much? Yeah.
8: Off the top of your head without oh, it going about, up. About, I think it... it's
3: 2 million. Be A bit I mean, over 2 million.
8: Sh- Handicappers will never give him more than fifty-eight because you go, I want to run in the new market, and then you could run run in the TJ. I mean, there's there's uh, there's three or four million in first prize mm-hmm. just there without having to go to Perth. Pride of Jenny,
1: oh, utterly brilliant. Oh, I, Shades of Orogue and Cyril Small, so what they did
3: consecutive Saturdays. Remember
8: people having you just see uh, uh, um um Cyril, not not what you know, Vic Vic Rail. Yeah, is that what you're comparing Kiramar to? Uh, well, uh, more more jockey and horse. More know, jockey and
0: horse. Do you know yeah, how that many train pe- stays, uh, that train's never on time? No. Never.
3: <laughs> you know how many people got stuck into me, Jared, about Amelia's jewel? Who did she beat there at Mooney Valley? Pride of Jenny, like she's not much good, Gareth.
8: And she I broke guess. a track record that night. Yeah, too. on that night, she's not much good. Amelia's jewel, like yeah, but to be of fair, Jenny's that was just dusted off, mate. She Your was girl. a ninety watt rider. Well, was she, was she a ninety a ninety two
3: She she proved Pride of Jenny. She was mighty in the track when she blew them up on a hot tempo that day. And then she comes to Flemington. We all thought she won because of the track conditions with the Southerly there that day. And it was nearly similar conditions in Saturday's Champions, um, Champions mile, but she did it the opposite way. So on, in, on the Empire Rose, she blew them up at the start. Like she opened up their lungs and then she got tied towards the back end, but the damage had been done on Saturday. She just went through her gears, um, Johnny. So she went second, third, fourth, fifth, where, in the Empire race, she was fifth and flat out for all of the way. So well, there's an old rule, She's Gareth. You just keep
0: the mares happy. You keep them yes. happy when they're in form. They go bang, 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 bang. It's the same as the girls. Yes, Gareth. You've always Gareth. You've all, you always, always had that. trouble doing that. Yeah. It's when Waitley looks away and day, goes Next. If you keep them happy, things just progress <laughs> nicely. Do you know so, the amazing part? So, great in training that race? performance, right? Karen and David yeah. to be able to do that.
8: But what? But what about the ride at the 700? Where he goes. And gives her a slap down the shoulder. I've just gone, oh, if you get beaten by a length, you're going to be hanging by the <clears throat> on the winning post, old mate. They're going to take you to the Baldy Bridge and you'll never be seen again. What about the format? She quickened
0: and kept going. What, well, a, what and, a ride. And the format of the race. I mean, yeah, deny knowledge. Huge, the Empire Rose. You, know, you, know, you know what? Huge win. She's gone on and won the group one. Yeah. Unbelievable. The best, the best thing
8: that you said about that was at least he at least he had the courage and the uh, whatever the adjectives are to actually go and do that because most people wouldn't have had the uh, the guts to go well, and do it. What well, he was mad, Jared, mad, Jared. Do you reckon Tim Great Clark managed to be right, right on her back
3: with alligator blood? Did they? Did they? Did they like think? Oh, she's got to come back to us here.
1: Yeah, well, I think. Everyone does. No yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. think they were confident she would come back to them. Didn't um, you think that, Mister Brightside Alligator Blood Fangirl?
0: Yeah. So the fangirl was all, all almost up. it was almost like a tissue, wasn't it, in the in the lead up race where she broke a tissue's heart. Fangirl James must have just been sitting back there thinking, well Mm. I'm just going to get over the top here for sure. And then when it starts to warm up, because I think it clearly should have won the Cox Plate myself. Has she got the best Fan form in the It was a huge run, the Cox Plate. Mm. Has she got the best so form in the country? Jenny, no, doubt. No, doubt. no doubt. With it's what she's done and the, the yeah. Millie's
8: dual going to Sydney and should have won the uh, the Golden Eagle. I mean, it all ties in magnificently well, doesn't it? Imagine if the Cox Plate was in two weeks' time, what oh. we'd have
1: going that way. Is just, oh, that's a good point a you made, yes. um, And Atisha was the the other big winner of the day, the the champion stakes... At same as last year, she came off an almighty run in the Empire Rose and branded them in the Matriarch. This time she takes the full step up.
3: And really, she's the only horse that makes significant ground out wide all day. And Wayne, what, what is with this the, the quick back up with all of those mares? Foxy Frieda did it in sensational form. The mares especially on the
8: horses, quick back up. Horses, horses either absolutely excel and love it yeah. or they just puncture. And I know that's an easy thing to say, but I don't reckon they run fourth or fifth or sixth. They either just love it. Because, I mean, then the day, if you're backing up from Saturday to Saturday, you're not doing a hell of a lot with them in between. If you're down the beach or you're swimming them or you're just giving them a light exercise all week, you know, I mean, I'm sure some of them wouldn't have even had a blown out on Thursday morning. And if they did, it was just to clean their wind up. a yeah. bit. Because if you think about last Saturday, she just ran a mile in 138 or some crazy thing. So it's not like she's not fit. What Johnny said before, you're just keeping the horse fit, healthy. She obviously was nice and round and the boys were happy to have a crack and... You know what? At the end of the day, the bottom line is if she had a punctured and run fifth, they would have said, hey, we were good on derby day. We're now going to eat grass anyway. Why not keep it for seven days? It's a serious performance. Again, you've got to
0: stick to the rules, Hawks. We've had the pleasure of having the beautiful Jane Hawks in here this morning. And she said, I was only fair Tuesday, performed really well Thursday, but an enormous Saturday night. So the backing up aspect sticks all the way through. (laughs) After the races, she said it was out of control. Yeah. She was at the George. She was. I'm
3: not <laughs> yeah. going anywhere
0: near she there, Jerry, because the I
8: want to be back here her on
0: Wednesday She was at the Osmond, mate. She was at the So
1: big race integrity comes out. So James McDonald has four winners for the week. Three yeah. of them are group ones, and they're the name races. Thank he you. The, the King Derby, is back. the Oaks, and the, the and the Champion Stakes. He has eight seconds and two thirds. So he rides favourites right throughout the carnival. He's the main reason why the favourite strike rate is so bad across. The, but. He's got the three. three Do you give him a pass? No, it's a soaring pass.
3: Well, I'm disappointed in Macca. I thought he should have turned a few more of those eight seconds into wins.
0: Uh, Sitting mate, in the ice bath and yes, you didn't yes. help him, driving him mentally and, insane. No, in oh. fact. He I, said to me, I wish I had found the place on my own. Because <laughs> all G did was ask for tips, tips, uh, tips the whole time. I tried to inspire him. I, I felt sick. <laughs> oh, I thought gee. a tissue. A tissue
3: was the biggest run you'll ever see a horse perform without winning a group one. So, so dozing in a tissue. Um, where the runs of the races there on, on Derby Day, then they win the Oaks, and then, of course, the Champion Stakes. So, yeah, he's, he performs on the big stage, J-Mac,
0: doesn't he? In
8: the, I, did, in the well, the I didn't see him ride too many bad ones. I, I reckon best. he did in the, um, the Archer, but I don't reckon he rode too many, uh, too many bad races, to be fair. Yeah. We well, so, saw the
0: goat finish up, and uh, he was the Angora goat. Now we've got the new goat. He is unbelievable, <laughs> this bloke.
1: So Damien Ratcliffe had listed his last eight winners. The $2 million Sydney Stakes, I Am Me. The $5 million King Charles with Fangirl. Mm. The three quarters of a million dollar Mooney Valley Cup with Cleveland. The $5 million Cox Plate with Romantic Warrior. The $2 million Derby with Riff Rocket. The $1 million Oaks with Zardozzi. He... he Decided to chime in with 175000 Amanda Elliott on Schwartz and the $3 million champion stakes. So he's tissue. got a tax
8: problem. He's That's got big race he's got, big race he's got race integrity. And he,
3: and he still makes me shout <laughs> breakfast.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hey, and you for his yeah. ice bath. Yeah. I know yeah. who the fool, I know the idiot is. <laughs> uh,
1: the beaten favourites next. So the racing means test for Melbourne's home of the ultimate celebration, the Osborne Rooftop and Bar Commercial Road South Yarra and My Racehorse. It's Showtime, myracehorse.com. If you are a relative of Jamie Spencer, I would just take half an hour to go and have a coffee. Next, <laughs> Melbourne's we weather becoming sunny. Top of 19 for city power, supply and power to homes in the CBD and in inner suburbs.
5: Now, back to Waitley. Oh,
8: no.
1: This See is a category entirely dedicated to Jamie Spencer room. today and the backers of West <laughs> Wind Homes
0: Is he out of you. the country? All I can say is... <laughs> He rode light inventory in the, uh, I think, in the autumn last no, year. No, the Golden Eagle. The you Golden Eagle. Yeah. The Golden Eagle. And um, You said I, never well, again. Well, I did. Well, I mean, I alerted both New South Wales and Victorian, um, you, you know, where you check in. What do you call it? Custom. Just Custom. Yeah. <laughs> Custom. <laughs> so I said never to, ne, never to be entered in. But you know what? Wasn't smart enough to realize that there was an international airport at Adelaide. So <laughs> He's obviously coming through in. Adelaide. Lovely <laughs> bloke. I've said it all the way. Like Everyone I, loves him. He's a terrific he bloke. Must. I caught up with him over the car. He's obviously not talking to me, but like yeah. but I did catch up with him and see him. But won't be like now. at the end of the day, like it was just absolutely horrendous. And informed <laughs> yeah, <sorry. and> <laughs> people, Jared, to be saying these international horses like to be free bowling and free rolling. <laughs> what a lot of rubbish. It missed the start a length and a half. It was tens on to miss the start. Never missed a start in its life. Tens on with him in that race to miss the start. <laughs> And then he decides to take off and go Oakley play. It would have let him mid race. It went for, that fast.
8: For the record, when you're a jockey out of the barriers, rule number one is if you miss the kick, don't dig him up and hunt him forward. You just got to take your medicine and just sit there. That is the unwritten rule. Yeah, so he
1: rode this horse horribly in the turnball. And then repeated the dose in the champion stakes. And then rode it brilliantly in the Caulfield Cup in the middle when he didn't dig no, it. No, the You're Caulfield
8: correct. Cup, he drew the barrier though, see. So no, but he missed the
1: start. Yeah, and instead of I hunting know, him up because they wanted to be in the first four. I get it. He sat and everything kind pan- well. So for those who are keeping score, he's none from 24 dating back to Oaks Day 2013. <laughs> His litany of sins at this carnival stretches through 11 and
3: he didn't but get close. I'm, I've never seen anything like it. It's like Jamie Spence is a... A great rider in the UK. I used to love backing is he? him. Yeah, is he he, no, he sit sprint because okay. of big, spaces, tracks. But, but back
8: then, then yeah, is no, the narrative.
3: I, I still think that he's got like the. What English, do you think he has got? Link? English English racing suits him. But I've never seen. <laughs> I've never seen a jockey. Is that because it's twelve thousand miles away? I've never seen a jockey um, get it so wrong on so many occasions, and then get opportunity after opportunity to continue to have. I think he should come
0: out. I think he should come out, but he should just come out and party for three yes. or four weeks. It's like, I, <laughs> have I've, described it like and and I've described it like this. I've described it like this with Jamie
3: Spencer, Jared. It's like playing three spinners at the whacker. You know? It's,
8: it's, it's, yeah, but he can't spin the ball. I know, but it's he's not, just telling you. He's, 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 he's not suited to Australian conditions. Not suited nah, to Australian no.
3: conditions. No. Yeah, so you, you, you play him. Has he England. left, though?
8: I don't know. Has the integrity department taken him to the <laughs> airport and said, well, do I not think,
3: return? I think it's just,
8: it's I believe just he's unfortunate. Been
0: escorted. You've yep. got? I believe he's been escorted. Has he?
3: Anyone
1: else got anything in front? Oh, no, beyond that? <sighs> I thought oh, Johnny Allen,
0: El- I mean, Johnny Allen, yeah. great rider, and he's ridden a lot of winners for us. I thought he's riding on ride on Stein Steiner was pretty shitty. I, I didn't think it was much good. No. And also, uh, my second favourite jockey in the world uh, didn't, didn't ride buckaroo very well I wouldn't have thought in the who's your job in the 2000 blake shin love him yep. what happened you're allowed to make a blue occasionally uh well he took off 800 from home I'm not quite where's sure. it I going now I know it'll go out I would say so I he'll stay in Australia it's staying here it's going yeah to I'd like, it's going I'd like to him as a futures uh, prospect yeah. so, I've got um, a no-no
3: Gerrit yeah I accidentally told everyone today on getting no. up to get on forgot you for the northerly um I don't know Johnny's backed him yet, but it's he's unbelievable. He's fifty-one dollars into nine
6: dollars. He's in the ice bath, <laughs> yes. and I said to him, "He said oh, I have you got anything for me?'" I said, I, "I'm know, sorry."
0: I'm, I backed James as eight seconds. You got anything for me? No. And I said, "Yeah, well, I think forgot you'll go around at fifty-one. Yeah, Well, it's fifty-one dollars in the in the northerly, so." let's just have a couple of quiet so guests and you've then I'm listening to him on the radio this morning and that, what price are $10 down here?
8: That's what Waitley Having did to me last year. Waitley and I and put a couple hundred bucks yeah. in, he to have a little punt. Anyway. He's telling all the listeners then goes, oh, oh, we haven't backed it ourselves. No, because my you, listeners you, you
3: are you family. Are I, once I mentioned You mention are a bit that, selfish like that. No, once I mentioned You tend to do that. No, I had to, I had to tell him what price now, Bet three six five. about dollars Yep,
8: $11. Got you, Johnny. Got you, Johnny. Why would you do that? You've just Aussie given, Johnny on up, on, you've just given you. up Johnny on the radio too. I mean, to you're unreal. To you. And airman yeah. was an oh-no, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. No, he was definitely an oh-no. I spruiked him like there was no tomorrow. And, um,
0: that tyre there, mate. No air be, in him.
8: To be totally fair, to be totally fair, <laughs> yes. the person that escorted Jamie Spence to the airport was one Michael Hawks.
0: Yeah. He went
8: home with his arse in a sling. Let yeah, me I tell you thought. the poor bugger. He, anyway. uh, he. Well, the bottom line was it just, he just obviously punctured after the Sydney Stakes and it just took a little bit to get over it, but then we thought he was right if we knew what we knew, he wouldn't be here. And to be totally honest, right, totally honest, he's only got beaten four lengths behind Bella Nipotina. She won the big race in Sydney last Saturday. He'd beaten her his previous start. We're horrendous with airman and he's only got beaten four lengths to Bella Nipotina. He will be here next year in all these big races, but just not uh, last Saturday. So oh, apologising in advance. Sorry for that, to, everybody.
0: Well, just apologising hey. in advance to, yep. um, to Trent and Nat and to Kieran. I won't be able to pay my training bills. Next month, because I tuned right into Airman The Place. So, That's Hawksy, right. just find something and, for me. please. And, and, Hawksy, just something. You, you won't be getting banned
3: from um, G Hall Bet as well. You're, a, no, you, you're can get on whatever you can get off for whatever you want. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the only one was, was happy was start. you. You
1: gave me hundreds, didn't it? Yeah. All right. We'll have the yes, yes, yeses coming up. Here's Nathan in the newsroom. Nathan, thank you. Just something a little more uplifting.
8: Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes.
0: Johnny, what have you got in the yes, yes, I had yes. a lovely winner on... Uh, Pretty sure it was on the last day. Muramasa mm-hmm. won the Queen's Cup. Had a throat operation. Very rarely do they come back from that. Uh, Trent and Nat, uh, great effort to get the horse back. Been really, really patient. And a great ride from Daniel Morey. Had, uh, had a fall at track work or in the trials at Cranbourne and wasn't allowed to ride for a week. So it was sort of like the first day he came back. So I thought that was huge. Um, great send-off from the jocks. For Ollie, I thought it was, it was just yeah. unbelievable. And I thought J-Mac and, and just it was so great to see Jamie Carr come back. So plenty of positivity out of the weekend.
1: So Jamie Carr rides the six winners and works her way back to form, has the treble, beats J-Mac in the first two races on Champions yeah. Day. Uh, that just to put the the point of emphasis on her return to form.
3: Watching her, did you think, I just thought she was more balanced and horses were running for her once again. They weren't pulling like, say, that Von Hook did at Geelong that day. I just thought that the, it's amazing that the confidence, what it did there after Derby Day.
1: And that's the, so your point, Wayne, on Derby Day is, and this is a sportsman working their way back into form, is one can do the trick for you. and one, And she progressed as the week went on. It does surprise me a little bit in racing that, so evident so you're not really allowed to this is why I admire the three of you you're not really allowed to say she's out of form like she was in terrible form was, and then she worked yeah. her way back brilliantly no, so no, a little you bit like um no one does a little bit like what was what would the what would the right compa- uh, comparison in be football. Lockie neal would Correct. be the right comparison in the middle of the year there were questions around his Fitness, his midfield output. So no one was saying that he couldn't play, but he was out of form. And by the end of the year, he'd won the Brownlow.
8: Yeah. So you sort of get yeah. to Michael Michael Voss that. at Carlton. Same, same. Jeez, you're going back a few no. years. <laughs> no, no. no, Michael Voss in oh, the uh, Michael uh, Voss this year. Yeah. I the I I first eight rounds, they, 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 yeah. Miles My, Fitzner on SEN on, on Saturday week ago said, after I was critical about Jamie, and I think this was the best comment, He's and he was sticking up for me, but what he said was this: If Jamie Carr was an NRL or an AFL footballer, she would have been dropped. That's simple. So she has had to work herself back into form. And if you think about it, these are the these were the only people in a sporting industry that didn't have a coach, because j Mac writing for Kieran Maher and David Eustace, and I mean, they're. I was going to no. say prostituting themselves out. What's the right word? They're just subcontracting themselves <laughs> out. And then, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that, Wayne. You know what right I mean. You're honest. Thank you. You know what I mean. So so the bottom line <laughs> is now some of these guys and girls are starting to have coaches, whether it be a life coach or not.
3: Johnny O'Neill wanted it. The, uh, oh. what, what, what well, like he's on every, say, every
0: Monday morning about 10, 30 Also, from a racing aspect, this is something we need to – take on board. The AFL footy season seven months. I know there's a lot of preparation for it. And you're judged on 22 games or 23 games plus the finals if you make it. The thing around the racing industry is it's 52 weeks of the year. And Jamie may take a few weeks off in the middle of winter to go away. But at the end of the day, because she is who she is, James is, Blake is, there's always such a high expectation when they're riding horses. So I think it's physically impossible for horses not only the horses, but the jockeys in this instance, to be at their best, she's come back from a horrific fall. Exactly it would have been very to easy to put your hand up and say, wow, maybe she needs a bit more of a break. She might have pushed too hard to come back. But I think champions, and there's no doubt she's a champion, like for, you know, she's led the way for for, for female riders. I'm sure Michelle Payne was, was amazing leading into the Melbourne Cup and winning that. But leading the way there and Rachel King's come out, I just think, I just take my hat off to her. Every Sunday she's at pony school or she's at the jumps. She just loves the industry. So I'm just so happy for her. But I think it is really difficult to expect people to perform 52 weeks of the year. For those who don't know and or or don't remember, Jamie Carr
8: got knocked out coming to the home corner at Flemington back in March and she was unconscious on the track for 10 minutes. Mm. Now, you know what, to get herself back up and she's probably been in a dark place. There's probably no doubt about that anyone that's had those sorts of uh, head injuries. So to get back to do what she's done and to shine on the week that counts. And to put up
0: with Ben Mellum. I mean, that's also (laughs) quite significant.
1: My knowledge win was excellent. (laughs) What what I will say, what racing's got wrong, is so she's at the Victorian Racing Tribunal today on the white powder controversy. As the AFL's figured this out. Yeah, that's the the report in the Herald Sun. The AFL's figured this out. This is a misdemeanor in modern life. You get your two weeks, off you go, repent, we'll see it. You, you don't, you don't run it through a, a whole legal process.
3: No, Racing's Agre- its own worst enemy. To tying
1: that. themselves in knots over yeah, this.
3: We all know what happened. She made a mistake. She's open about that. Bring her in, Jamie. You can't do that. And you, you're, you're, you've got a responsibility now as a role model. We're going to give you two weeks. Go, go, go away and think about it. And then come back and do what you did there at Flemington.
1: And that should have been in June.
0: Well, It should have been dealt with at the been. time. She's Stringing this out is, is bad for her and it's bad for it's racing. So she's and it's back. unnecessary in She's the, life. She's the princess of racing. There's been so many people watch and be involved over the carnival. We're all supporting her and saying how wonderful she is. And now she's got to take a spell. Mm. We're assuming if she's found guilty. Uh, on the basis of I this, don't, Gerard, I, I don't agree with you she will, I don't know whether she will be guilty. Out if that's what it was. Right.
8: And then move on. I don't on. reckon she'll she... be found guilty. I don't reckon she will. Yeah. Well, she she's going she to go negative in a, in a year, I, I hope she's not.
3: What about just Michael Rodsey? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. He had his oh, yeah. first winner back Friday night talking about concussion. He was lost to the game. He was, he was struggling big time. And he's fought his way back. And... It was an emotional interview there on Sky Racing. Um, So, yeah, well done to Michael Rod. Great to see.
1: The racing means test for Melbourne's home of the ultimate celebration, the Osborne Rooftop and Bar, Commercial Road, South Yarra, and My Racehorse, owned today from just $39. My Racehorse at Showtime, myracehorse.com, T's and C's online. We're going to debate who is the best horse in the country at the end of the Flemington Carnival. This is Waitley for the all-new Hyundai Kona, Imagine to be Bold and Host Plus. Waitley on SEN. At the end of the Melbourne Cup Carnival, champions have been on the line. Coming into the spring, the contenders for the best horse in the country were I Wish I Win, didn't win a race. Amelia's Jewel ended up bruised, literally and figuratively. Mr. Brightside won some, lost some. Giga Kick was one and done. Globe was the up-and-comer. He burst immediately. Who is the best horse in the country? The next big thing for Mac is the new
3: McCrispie. It's the next big thing.
1: Gareth, who's the best horse in
3: the country? I think without a fight, if you win the Caulfield Cup, Melbourne Cup double, you deserve to be the best horse in the country for mine. From Imperatries, will Australasia. And I think it's a fight between those two. And then from a consistency point of view, if you're doing your three, two, one, you have to lean towards Brightside. Second in a King Charles, second in a Cox Plate, went down by a lip and dominated the early part. And was
0: mighty, I thought, on Saturday as well. Yeah, I think that's 100% right. The only horse I'd like to own out of it being the best horse in the country is Zardozzi. I think it's... I think its win in the Oaks was extraordinary. I think it's just maturing. It started to really look good in the coat. I don't think it looked that great on the Saturday, really improved between that and Oaks Day, and I think it might be the next very elegant. It's very hard for those three-year-old fillies to step up, but I think it will. I think it's very good.
8: I can't really add any more, to be fair. Everything you've said is pretty much right. It's all good pub talk, but... Who is the best horse? I don't know. Imperatrice is as good as what we've seen for a while. I mean, you say that, but then what would Black Caviar and Chautauqua? They're they the they're the measuring sticks, aren't they? But if you really if you really screw down into it, the Caulfield Melbourne Cup double, as Jared said, we could go another forty years and not yeah, and not see I agree this with uh, that. Yeah. not see this happen. Yeah. So you probably when you Caulfield and Melbourne Cup, it's a bit like J mac versus Jamie Carr. When you win the Derby and the Oaks in the same week, that's
3: a bit special. Who are you backing? Say down the straight, lightning stakes. If I wish I win, takes on imperatrix
8: Think about imperatrix Giga Kick, Giga Kick, Imperatrice. Yeah, because she can jump and go forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. She proves that. She proves that. But he wouldn't want to go as hard as what he did against all those horses. And gee, it's amazing, though, wouldn't it? Like Giga Kick. I wish I win. I mean, they were just the two massive names that were going to Sydney and whatever. And then the, then the Perth then the Perth pony came over, and uh, how it's changed, but it's changed for the good and. <laughs> the, the the other thing, I had to say it, the other thing is our attrition rate, I reckon, has been very minimal because normally, I remember in years gone by, Harold Sun would start doing a weekly tally on some of the great horses that have just gone amiss. Now, whether it's a, whether it's a cold and have to go aside and you can't play again, so be it, but I reckon there'd be, of, of the top class horses, there'd be
0: very, very few, Jared, I don't think we've... Uh, Congratulations to Grace one. and the team. They've obviously been adamant about what they wanted to do, but from no an doubt. international perspective... I think we're getting the right horses here now, and uh, and if they don't pass the vet, they just don't run.
1: Macca's 30 days, 30 deals. Grab a new deal every day of November only on the My Macca's app. I just want to make this sort of a yearly disgrace segment, the market for next year's Melbourne Cup. <laughs> so Solcombe's a $13 favourite. Uh, does he jump in next year's Melbourne Cup? <laughs> well, he, not, does someone win. tell me? If he does, no. he'll win.
8: He'll be in a paddock with your and They'll be going, we got him, we got him, we got <laughs> nah, him. He'll be right.
1: He was $10 on the eve of this year's Melbourne Cup, and 12 yeah. months out, he's $13. Yeah, without a fight, it's $13. And, Last and, year's and Melbourne it Cup just so ran $17. So what we we weight is without yes. a fight? That's yet. right. $68.
3: dollars You get
1: $58.5. But there's a better one than that. On both. Better
8: one? Yeah, there's a better one.
1: Westmin Blows is $15. Is Jamie Spencer riding? Yes. <laughs> it's it's $115 of
8: these riding. Be like, be like, if Jamie Spencer's riding, be like at the darts. $180! <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, how come he can, continues to get these opportunities? Well, you started, you
0: started, no, this, I didn't. you started potting him last year <laughs> after he slaughtered that horse of mine in Sydney. You told me to. And you he, were the one that sent he the note out. get the Cup to... you win a beat last year, gold trip in the uh, Cox Plate. He fell off it in the Cox Plate. <laughs> He fell off it, but he still got back on it, run fifth. It was unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Jamie, like, tricks, Jamie you know, you're, you're like
8: those on the pod boys that do the tricks. Jamie, if it's you're and listening back to the podcast. You're a beautiful yeah. man. You do host a beautiful 40th a birthday ripper. party. He's Good on champion bloke. So you got invited to the 40th? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jane and I went. Yeah, we went to the 40th. Yeah. yeah. I think I went more because his best mate, Stephen Hillen, was having his 50th, and Stephen's the one that's um, sold us pesto, and Zay reckoned those horses. Let's so make it quite
0: old. clear, mate. Jane got invited, you were the plus one, mate. There are no chance he would have you, right right no right. Shut up, well, yeah, I've got you, feelings mate. too, you know. trying Hello. to get some decent-looking ladies Hello. there, so Jane's straight in. So how was Joe Marrero's
8: ride in the Melbourne room. Cup anyway? The and, curiosity
1: uh, is, why was Flemington so fronty on the two Saturdays? I, I know... Fronty. Everyone swoons. New word. They the did. wind. A word. That was, it's it was it's the a wind. lovely environment, Flemington. The track didn't race very well this time around. No, no, no one wants no. to say I, I Both Saturdays were harsh. fronty no. and the
3: middle days were swoopers. It, it was the wind that I – I It think didn't the race track... evenly the way that no, it normally think, does. No, I think the track played okay. I think it was difficult with the water with all of the wind. But when the wind gets above 30Ks, and it's not usually as suddenly at Flemington, I just think it took a while for the jockeys to work out how you how you ride in this wind. Um I blame because you see it in Perth when the Fremantle doctor comes in, you don't want to be in front. They got to swoop out wide. I think the wind plays such an important factor in race patterns, and I think talk it, about Perth already. Yeah, no ex I'm telling you, the,
0: I'm telling you, the wind was the factor, not the track. Well, look, it may well have been. One thing I will say for for the punters out there, it's very very difficult to take pre-market all up bets and doubles and stuff nowadays because even on Saturday, and I mean I. I've been a huge fan of the, of the Sydney racing. It was just, it was Flinders Lane, the rail on Saturday, up there for people that tuned in and had a good look. If you didn't find the rail, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, which is one way out against the fence, oh, you right. can't, like, yeah. you just trail. couldn't make any ground at all. Now, so the question there, Jared, is, is it the wind? Um, we, we understand the situation at Mooney Valley, and we have, I've had a lot to say about that. So I think what we need to do is probably dig in a bit more and find out exactly why these things are happening. Flemington never has. Tra- I mean,
8: to no, be I fair, agree, Flemington agree. never has track bias. No, does no, it? I'm, never. I'm a Sydney's shot. been fantastic never. too. So never. Sydney's been good, but it but was the it was, win. So it was like you're you a football You love foo- that, don't you? Foo- j gave you one thing after you ice Shut bathed up, him. It's just yeah, like you're a football
3: coach, and with the track these days and the track's by, so you're a football coach when you're punny, you have to change the magnets at halftime. When, when do
0: you complete your masseuse course? Because James said you were doing the shoulders. Oh, and Righto. Oh. S- something for the battlers.
1: <laughs> Pens ready. Johnny O'Neill's steered us four weeks running. Will the streak continue?
0: Now, back to Waitley. Ladies and gentlemen... Uh, it's as good a thing as sure a thing as death, Zardozi in the uh oh, we go. in the Oaks. Yeah, it's unbeatable. So race eight, number two, Zardozzi will win. As sure a thing as death. <laughs> Uh, and it trotted
1: in. Uh, so four weeks running. John O'Neill has given us something for the battlers. I'm not sure Wayne understands what this segment
0: is. Yep. Where are you taking <laughs> us, Johnny? So we've got a couple. We have a couple. We need to go to Wednesday the midweek. Or I hate tipping two-year-olds first up. We've got a very nice like two-year-old tipped. Oh, tipped. called Spywire going around at Rose Hill. So you need to have something each way. It might be 6 or $8 or something. But again... There's another one of these surer thing than deaths going around in the thousand guineas. Camel responsibly. One eight hundred eight five eight eight five eight. Thank you very much, Gareth. Um, <laughs> Mike Moroney and Blake Shin will take out the thousand guineas with Curve-a-lont, if That's how you pronounce it. Geez, it's a nice horse. Yep. Uh, drew wide last start, push forward, yep. home it goes.
8: Right up. Mm-hmm. I've had to ring the brother, and I've had to <laughs> shut up. Jared. Just I've ring had, John.
0: I've had to, no, he doesn't know. Michael does.
8: I've had to ring Michael. He's I've had to ring Michael. Had to ring Michael Get Michael that on video, said, please. Michael said Friday night ice chocolate at Mooney Valley. Uh, sorry, at, uh, at Canterbury. And there's one quick thing I want to say. I've listened to your editorial so many times lately, and I under, there's words I've never heard of that you say. Fronty, what the hell is a fronty? Go away, Waitley, Waitley, go
3: away. Fronty is what we live through on the two Saturdays at Flemington. <laughs> Gareth? Um, it's New Zealand Cup week. So star of justice in the thousand guineas at $8 for Tiako Racing. And I know we don't Love talk him. about harness racing, but Swayze, the Australian horse, can win the New Zealand Trotting Cup, which is the biggest race in any code at New Zealand, tomorrow afternoon. Well, that's a glad bag of information for yes. you. Excellent. Wazy.
1: All right. Group one racing again next week, so we're going to do this next Monday. Yep. That's yep. the racing means test.
0: Now back to Waitley. The group stage
1: is over at the World Cup. India went through unbeaten. Australia will play South Africa. So that inspires memories of semi-finals past. The week will be spent debating the lineup and building up. Wednesday night, Thursday night, and then the final on Sunday night. Every ball you will hear on SEN Crickets. And we're remembering Patrick Smith, long-time columnist for The Australian, in amongst his media career. Used to hold the 9 o'clock slot on this station with Kevin Bartlett, and a lot of you remembering him fondly. One who will know him well, shares his wisdom and experience with us each Monday, Robert Craddock. Hello to you, Crash
2: G'day, Jared. Yeah, a very sad day. Uh, there was only one Patrick Smith, wasn't he? Uh, you know, he was brilliant, witty. He could slice you and dice you in one paragraph. A very brilliant man. What were your dealings with him through the years, Crash? I always admired him, and we didn't. Uh, we used to cross over, of all places, the Melbourne Cup. But I, I remember talking to Lee Matthews once, and I thought it was a terrific rapper when he won yeah. his three premierships in a row. Where I sat next to him at lunch, I said, "Which?" journalist do you admire the most of the the melbourne the whole uh, all the columnists and everything he said oh patrick smith's very good he said right on the money and just just he said i don't always agree with him he said but always worth a read and i thought that's high praise but he was very clever i remember <laughs> Once Bryson DeChambeau, the American golfer who's got a million theories on life, came out and did a press conference and sprouted all these theories. And I forget what Smithy's lead was, but it was something like when Albert Einstein went to bed, he dreamed of being Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> <laughs> Just completely pulled him to the threads. And on the putting green the next day, all the golfers were talking about it. They said, you must read these. this guy Smith from the Australian.
1: He. <laughs> <laughs> He had a lovely way about him from that point of view. And and he had the cross section of sports, which was terrific. I I used to come across him as a cub reporter. We'd spend time around the spring carnival together. And he's obviously a constant through footy season, but he did love his golf and he he could poke fun of it. So I was thinking in recent, more recent times, what he would have had a field day with the live PGA split. And he would have had a field day with the Peter Volandi's ears one way or the other.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, that was his sweet spot, wasn't it? You know, like just saying what everyone else was thinking was a bit scared to write. You know, I I always remember he had an obsession about Colonial Stadium, didn't he? And he used to call it Calamity Castle. <laughs> remember that? And, and like, and he wrote column after column on it to the point where I felt he was obsessed. And I saw him at the Melbourne Cup one day and I said, Smithy, uh, you're in good form, but, mate, all these Colonials, the Calamity Castle columns, they're just they're infatuating Melbourne, but you're right for the Australian. Like, and he said, no, nah, it's, uh, it's something I believe has to be said, and he stuck by it. But one of his better columns, I've got to say, Jared, and I, I'm sorry I, I never got to the bottom of it, was he came out about six weeks before the Sydney Olympics and said, there is only one person who should be lighting the flame for Australia, and it's Kathy Freeman. She embodies everything we want to be as a nation. Um, I know she's running. I know it's a controversial choice, but she would be my selection. Now, I don't know whether he knew something. Uh, I don't know whether he simply just that was the way he felt it should be, Jared. But he got it spot on. And either way, whether it's a sign of him being a great newsman or just a, just to have a feel for the occasion, he gets 10 out of 10.
1: It is one of the changes in modern media. Is we don't have that daily columnist anymore. So this is a phenomenon around the world. And just by happenstance, I was listening to a podcast yesterday that was speaking of this as the crusty sports columnist in your town or in your paper or from a national perspective was – such a figure over, over so many generations, and, and that, that shifted in recent times. That, that's not really there anymore.
2: Yeah, it, it's a great point you make, and you know what it comes from? It comes from the fact that uh, everything is digitalized now, and you know precisely how many people are reading your stories. And as good as a lot of sports columnists are, it's just another opinion. And we've worked out that news beats everything, Jared. You know, like if you get a thread of news or something, that beats the, often beats the strongest opinion. Um, when digital came in, it was a shock to all of us because we realised that some stories that we thought people were interested in, they aren't. I remember, Jared. I spent my life writing stories about mystery balls in cricket because I thought the fans loved it. Then I realised it was only me and my dad who were reading them. <laughs> <laughs> And he, even he admitted late in life he used to doze off at them. So <laughs> it was chastening. We had to adjust. And, and I still think, though, that, um, you know, in the same way that Andrew Bolt still rates very well for the Herald Sun, um, there's still that place for the specialised sports columnist. And, um, you know, like I, you know, Mark Robinson does it so well, doesn't he? And, and rates very well too for the Herald Sun. But, but you're Right. They've been diminished over the years.
1: Yeah. I, I, I must admit, I, I would rather read one of your columns than the, the latest news, just that sort of think piece, the provocative. But and, and the placement of Patrick, so it was the banner back page on The Australian every day. So that, 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 is, that is old guard. That's mm. old guard.
2: What, what I loved about it was simply this. when, when Before the uh, Murdoch resources were combined in Melbourne, the Australian and the Herald Sun were actually opponents. And I know the Australian felt that even though the Herald Sun, who I I sort of worked for, uh, was stocked with a lot of uh, AFL riders, like, say, seven compared to just two on the Australian, if they had Patrick Smith in good form that's all they needed to get people to pick up the Australian. Yeah. You know, because they, they, he had this devoted band of readers who just wanted to see what Smithy was angry about today. And, um, oh, he had his crusades, as you know, whips in, in horse racing. Yep. He, he was – and that came right from the heart. He never liked it and he crusaded against it and he wouldn't give a square centimetre in the argument. And that was, as you say, I <laughs> – I, I, I have eternal affection for, for for that style of columnist who just I am what I am. I'm putting it out me, out there. And if you don't like me, I don't particularly care. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What did you know about his um, his career with Peran? So fearsome fast bowler, and and uh, he was that cliche in every way. He, he was
2: an he was an angry cricketer. Oh yeah, I, I know. I always remember who was it. He stitched up someone for being unduly hot-headed and provocative yes. and they went back through the disciplinary records yep. of Victorian grade cricket and found where he'd been disciplined for completely going off reservation, yep. like going off tap and a thing. And I must say, it was a great comeback, you know, and I, don't think, I think he sort of laughed along with it as, uh, you know, he was probably hoping it had never came out, but he had... Hot blooded moments, a real fast bowler with that mentality, that sort of Jeff Thompson, very much a man of the seventies in terms of, you know, uh, you know, getting a bit angry and not afraid to show it. So that was him as a fast bowler, and 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 him as a, a columnist. But l- like, like the best columnist, I have to say, and Ron Reed was one of these Melbourne's own. They had worked in the industry from the bottom-up almost, and they'd been sports editor, they'd sort of been copy boys and everything in between. So they had a lovely affection for the printed word. And uh, I loved him on radio too, didn't you? Mm. Um, And and one thing that I did enjoy, uh, when Kevin Bartlett would ask him a question, sometimes there'd be silence and he'd answer it in one word and he'd go sort of, yeah, maybe, (laughs) maybe. And it was just good radio, wasn't it, you know?
1: Yep, there's a lot of affection for the sparring that used to go on That's, uh, at nine o'clock on Mondays today. So thank you for all who have sent through those messages Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen forty Wings Temper Text Temper a mattress like no other. The group stage of the World Cup crash is at its close. India unbeaten, Australia drawn to play South Africa, New Zealand the other to qualify. Uh, what are we to make of the past six weeks of cricket?
2: Yeah, it, it, it's, well. India's just dominated everything. But I, I I still wouldn't be shocked if New Zealand beat them in the semi-final. They've been almost perfect. And I'm, I'm looking for flaws, Jared, and I can't find many, except the fact they've only got five bowlers. And if someone has an off day, if you got into one of them, you, you might just see the castle fall. But, but they'll be tough. I, I think it's been a, a good tournament. Maxwell sort of given it the electric trackle that it needed something that distinguished it from 20 and 50 over cricket you know uh, sorry and test cricket you know something that says this brand of cricket is still very very special so that i think the tournament owes him a huge favor but australia is done really well to win seven in a row that's no mean effort in the subcontinent and you know, I'm just loving their match-up with South Africa and the big hoodoo that South Africa have to crack to beat them. The so Just before
1: the here and the now, what, what was your view of the Maxwell innings last week?
2: Uh, I, I was... When I heard him speak about it later, I was staggered by the amount of calculation in it. Like, where he was talking about playing a reverse sweep to get that man down behind square on the offside, to, to give him extra room each side of cover. And move one was followed by move two, which triggered move three. And to us, it just looked like this madhouse compilation of, of uh, instinctive hitting. But it was it was brilliant in its own calculation, and far more calculation went needed it than we thought. And I also felt it, felt it was a tribute to his hands, just... As he said, he just stayed still and and his hands, at one stage they looked like he was playing squash or hockey or something like that, and he said he backs himself to adjust his hands to the bounce of the ball. And um, I think it'll inspire young kids, well, it has already, around Australia to try and produce some of those kooky shots and to challenge the textbook. I mean, Joe, when you and I were growing up, it was always put your foot to the pitch of the ball, wasn't it? Well, he ignored that for he, for one of the most blissful centuries we've ever seen, and so. But the one thing he did follow from the textbook during all that uh, cramped period was he kept his head still, and that's a big thing. He never sort of lost his shape. His shape might have been as stiff as a pretzel, <laughs> but he kept he he kept still. And it's amazing when you keep still how how your eye works quite beautifully for eye players. That's what I took out of it.
1: And where do you want to rank it in the overall?
2: I, I, I feel it's Australia's best one-day innings. Uh, is it the best from all nations? Uh, I'm not sure about that. M- my number one was Stephen Wars in a Super 6 game against South Africa in 1999 when he was told by Trevor Holmes that if Australia gets eliminated today, you will lose the captaincy. Uh, we're, we're moving on and australia was 3 for 50 chasing 270 oh it was there it was a overcast day it, you know at headingley it was it was uh, grim and and donald and Pollock were bowling <laughs> and we weren't going to make 120 and he put together this magnificent century and i just thought it, it, it was different to maxwells maxwells was afghanistan this was south africa under heavy clouds in england and and i I just got Maxwell's past that one, you know? Yeah. So, Jared, when you I find when you're comparing great innings and great achievements, you often say you – you pick them apart by saying, what didn't they have? You know, we all know they're great, but but were they missing anything? And, and the only thing about Maxwell's innings that I can possibly poke a hole in was, yes, it was Afghanistan. They're bowling well, but it was Afghanistan. And secondly, it wasn't an elimination game like Wars was – would have been sacked as captain if he'd have got out for a duck. Yes. He ended up winning the tournament, so that that just pushes it up a cog for mine. But uh, I, I, it, it was it was sublime. It was wonderful.
1: It was. The wisdom and experience of Robert Craddock on a Monday. We're going to talk the nitty-gritty as Australia prepares for this semi-final against South Africa. Melbourne's weather becoming sunny at top of 19 for city power, supply power to homes in the CBD and inner suburbs. Now, back to Waitley. We are tapping the wisdom and experience of Robert Craddock this Monday. We will obsess all week around the Australian make-up for a semi-final against South Africa on Thursday night. Crash, what's the number one question to be answered?
2: It's very simple, but very complex at the same time. Labuschagne or Stoinis, that's that's the issue. And I think that um, I'm slightly in favor of Labuschagne because just the theory, we say it every week, but heavy duty tournaments are won by heavy duty players. He's got an electric edge in the field to him, which I think would be missed if he wasn't there. And I feel that since 219, Stoinis's batting has been oh, pretty average, really. Um, but I also get that if it's an absolutely flat deck against South Africa on Thursday night, there would be a temptation to put in Stoinis as the power hitter. But I just think the quality of their attack. I'm comfortable with Labuschagne, but I'm hearing it's the selectors are still very uncertain about it, Jared.
1: The fact that they're not using Stoinis much with the ball is so 19 overs for the tournament. Um, is he a true all-rounder at that stage, or do you boil this down to the to the batting?
2: Yeah, well, he's had his injuries too, and as a batsman, he's been only average. He does have a, a habit of getting it right on the night, but where I, I still don't mind the bankable consistency of Labuschagne. You know, he's just—it's <laughs> an incredible story, Labuschagne. Like, I don't rate him as a great one-day player, and he always seems to be batting a gear behind where he probably should be. But when he retires, he can look back, pull out a cigar and say, you know what, I left nothing on the table. Uh, I mean, what about – he wasn't going to be in this tournament and then Agar got injured and in he went. And then he substituted for Smith and then it was Stoinis and then it was Mitchell Marsh. And and it was incredible and he played every game. And and, and so you could say, oh, he's a creature of fortune and he is lucky. But he's made his own luck by – even – and I've got a story just coming up this morning, Jared, talking to Jonty Rhodes. Yeah. When Jonty, his hero, was in town last year for the South African Series, who do you reckon went up and said, mate, can you give me some tips about fielding at mid-off? Sharpening my returns, minimising the chance that a batsman has to get home in a run-out. Now, guess what? A year down the track – you know, that could save his whole World Cup future. Yeah, and he's had his Superman moment, so he's
1: got his, his matching image with a run-out. Yeah,
2: well, it is, and that was the image he had on his wall as a boy of Jonty Rhodes flying midair to dismiss Inzamam al haq at the Gabba in 1992 World Cup, and it was inspiring. I mean, Jonty inspired a whole generation of players to just let go in the field, have a crack, dive, but, you know, make an art form of it, and he was one of them. Uh, and, and uh, he's always, always been that way.
1: What's your main concern with Australia
2: going in? Just that they struggle to get early wickets. Just even against the modest teams uh, like Bangladesh and that, they seem to just uh, – there's no fright factor with the new ball, and I'm not saying that there generally isn't the a subcontinent, but it's a dangerous time. You know, Jared, uh, uh, <laughs> if Australia win the toss and bat – and get away, I just can't see South Africa getting over this historical hoodoo of there's too much baggage there. Like, it's just, if Australia put 250 or on the board or something above that, good luck, South Africa. And I know people say, oh, that's not a big score in India. But given they've never won a 20-over World Cup or a 50-over World Cup, I'm dying for Australia to bat first. And then just see the pressure cascade. Skating down the faces of the South African batsmen when they come in, you know, you know how sport works. It's just so hard to chase when you've got a ball and chain of thirty years of sorrowful history dragging along behind you.
1: What what comes to mind for you in, in that litany of woe? Crash.
2: Um, well, in South Africa, when um, Australia they won, they beat South Africa very narrowly in nineteen ninety nine in the Super Sixers game, and then drew with him and went through an extra run rate. I I think that what what comes to mind is just the the pain of South Africa on that day of Hunzi Cronje being unable to almost talk at the press conference. The Australians whooping it up in the Headingley dressing room, just being absolutely almost hysterical and loving every bit of it. But then guess what? A couple of years later, they arrived back there um, in, in a uh, or six years or uh, years later, arrived back there in a test match and had tough times. Uh, and, and the wall, they realised how thin the walls of the dressing room are. <laughs> yeah. and they thought, gosh, that would have just killed South Africa to hear us celebrating the way we were. Um, so yeah, I, and it was a pain that's never left South African cricket. Some bogeys are put to bed really quickly. But I spoke to my old mate Neil Manthorpe last week, and I did a did a um, a story on it, and he said to me, "Oh mate, even when <laughs> even when South Africa are winning seven matches in a row to start the tournament, the players were saying, we know where this is heading: bloody Australia and <laughs> the bloody semi-finals.'" Yes, <laughs> there was that, you know, the Grim Reaper yep. uh, circulating in the shadows, just loitering and peeping at you from beneath the hood. That's how they felt. So. They've got uh, – it's such an interesting game because sport's all about mental matchups and maybe they crack the curse. Maybe they do, but there's this sense of foreboding about it, I have to say, Jared, Why am I laughing? No,
1: that's it. <laughs> Legacy is so stitched into these things when you get to the semi-finals of a tournament. So what would it mean for Pat Cummins and his leadership of Australia? What, what do these two games mean to him?
2: Well, huge. And, and I have to say it. Uh, you know, I came on your show, uh, you know, a month ago, and said I'm just not sure he's in Australia's best team. And you could still mount an argument that Stark and Hazel would have been a one-day bowlers. But I tell you what, he does do. He gives players a sense of calm assuredness, and which is so important in World Cups. And what I like about him is he lets players be themselves, and he knows what they want. Uh, example A, you know, Glenn Maxwell, he's a bit different. He's not in your same straight jacket on tour as you say your lab Shane. that's okay. Travis Head, he's a bit different. He's out there, free-stroking sort of guy. We'll get out for nothing a few times in a row, but that's okay, Trav, be yourself. And the third one is Adam Zamper, top wicket-taker for the tournament, but he's found this sort of calmness because uh, Cummins just lets him be himself. When everyone else is playing golf, he wants to go to the Himalayas and just chill out and put these beautiful robes on and sip his coffee that he makes. Yeah, fine, Adam. Just be yourself. Great, very underrated skill of captaincy, Jared. Letting players feel comfortable in their own skin.
1: Mm. It's so interesting now that we we reach this moment. Is it, these tournaments are fun? It takes you so long to get here, and then it's all over in five days. Is you think about injuries, trajectory and the way they've totally dominated the tournament, now that fines right down uh, Australia and South Africa with so much recent shared heritage of acrimony and controversy. And that's with the players in this group, never mind the, this historical overlays. That I do think that's... The World Cup is still a, a great tournament. This has been, I think, a, a terrific format. But gosh, it's turbocharged now.
2: Oh, it, it really is. When you think of Australia only lost two matches and they're to the teams they now must beat. They lost to to South Africa, lost to India. Now they've got to beat them. I mean, it's good. And we've just seen a Rugby World Cup. And, Jared, I don't want to keep piling on South Africa. I really don't. But I have to say this. The final little barb in the ribs for them is the fact they recently won the Rugby World Cup, South Africa, with a team who could win from anywhere. They won their last three matches by one point, the South African Rugby Union team. So they're the magicians. That they can see a hat and they can pull out a rabbit, the the South African rugby union team. So the cricket team are further weighed down by the fact that that uh, that's what they they're the opposite. They can lose from anywhere in these big moments. But you're right, it has been a good tournament. It's a tournament the code needed the 50 over game. You know, it's uh, it's a difficult sell between World Cups the 50 over game. Yep. It really is. You felt it and I felt it. Players rested. Captains not turning up for it. You know, players who you barely know representing Australia and whatever. It's a difficult sell, but this has been a good format. Ten teams, you play each other once, best four make it in. Really simple and it's worked.
1: Wisdom and experience of Robert Craddock on a Monday. We'll talk the legacy of Meg Lanning and her retirement announcement last week with Crash in a few moments' time. Here's Nathan in the newsroom. Nathan, thank you. When we were together on Thursday, we were listening to Meg Lanning step down as Australian captain and retire from international cricket.
0: You go out there as a, a cricketer, I guess, and you just see the,
4: the playing part, but um, they ride the emotions
0: with you, and they've always been there to support me no matter what, and I'm very thankful for that. I'd like to thank all my, the teammates that I've I played with for Australia. It's been a privilege
3: to play with all of you, and it's been an incredible journey, and I've loved every moment of playing for Australia and um, I'll miss it but it's it's time to to go and see what else is out there and um, experience that and I'm um, I'm
0: looking forward to, to seeing how that pans out.
1: The plaudits have been suitably broads and heartfelt like Meg Lanning's words were herself. Crash what what's the legacy of Meg Lanning's time as captain of Australia?
2: Well, it's just that she saw the sport grow so much and she was the the captain of the ship when it went from girls rushing from jobs to play cricket to full-time professionalism, world domination and, and, you know, there was a time there, you know, uh, a few mates of mine who are very good judges consider her the best captain in Australia, male or female, during her tenure, you know, she, she... She was outstanding. In a funny sort of way, Jared, she kept so much inside of Meg at press conferences. She was deliberately kept her emotions on a very solid sort of flat line. It was lovely in a way to see her just take the cork off the bottle in her last – well, she didn't do it by design, but to see her get a bit emotional in the last press conference, it was almost the crossing of the line from one life to the other. Uh, Retiring at 31, it's young. Um, I have to say it. Uh, there's an air, air of mystery about it because she did miss the ashes recently for unspecified reasons. Uh, maybe it was as simple, and I know Pete Lawler said this to you, that she'd fallen out of just love with the, the passion needed to do it, you know, and, and you can't manufacture it. When it's gone, you can't be half-baked about it, particularly when you're as professional as she is. So maybe the... It just happens sometimes. People, And there's no law that says you have to be 34, 35. She was on the go from being a, a top ranked sort of 16 year old. So I, I know she's her international career went for 13 years, but she's been really eyeball deep in the system for about 15, 16 years. And, and that's, you know, Jared, one last thing. When you're a young captain, you're robbed of your childhood. Graham Smith said that in South Africa. He was a 22 year old captain. And he said, look, I was privileged, I enjoyed it, but a part of me was taken away from me. I couldn't be the goofy sort of smithy, you, you know, just bubbling my way through sort of from becoming a boy to a man. I had to be a man straight away. And there would have been a bit of that with Meg.
1: Yeah, as when I read that in your pieces, that, that was what most resonated. Maybe this is the toll. And you did liken it to how long Alan Border was Australian captain. Maybe this is the toll of long-term captaincy and particularly when it's cast upon a young person.
2: Yeah, well, Porter always said when he retired, he said, I did it for 10, I swear you, the right length is five. Uh, you know, that that uh, he said, I hope the next person or anyone in the future doesn't go for longer than five, he said, because it will turn you inside out. And and, and it just, when he said it, I thought it, it, it just made a lot of sense because I, you saw guys from Michael Clark slowly lose the plot, you know, and... And Steve Smith at that point, you know, he got burnt out quite quickly. So, and she did it for ten years. And you think of the meetings and the plotting and the planning, and, and there's an extra stress too, Jared, when everyone else is older than you. When you're 22 and you're, you're giving orders to someone who's 26, you know that's. But uh, uh, one thing I must say, beautiful batter too to watch. Yeah. Wow, we, her, her cut shot was a thing of beauty because it had so many subtle layers. You put one, two, three people in there saying, well, she's not getting through there. And guess what? With this little punch, you know, she found the fence like she was a beautiful player.
1: Beautiful player, great captain, and, um, yeah, all the plaudits are richly deserved. Robert Craddock on a Monday, his wisdom and experience. You can ping through your thoughts. 40 Winks, temper text 0433 Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. This is Waitley for the all-new Hyundai Kona, imagined to be bold and host plus.
0: Now, back to Waitley.
7: Is there a temptation on your part to change the way that you play just for this one game? Yeah, there's always the temptation, but um, apart from
0: yeah, apart from chocolate, I'm pretty good at not giving into temptations.
1: A bit more of the philosophy of Ange Postecoglou: being a manager, you're either under siege or it's coming. Spurs are now under siege; they are in the grip of injury. They've lost two in a row. One last week, obviously we we spoke about when they were down to nine men. And then on the weekends, they gave up two goals in injury time after leading 1-0 goals against the Wolves in the 91st and the 97th minutes. So the results are one thing, Crash, but just he has the English press just eating out of his hand with the way that he's able to express himself.
2: Yeah, he has. Like, and they like his honesty and cleverness and sort of but, – but pretty much sincerity, you know, that they yeah. – get his message and even last week when they lost and he refused to bag the referees and said, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not going down there. You know, he, he won some, he, he, there were some lovely columns written about how he's become the conscience of, of the competition, which is high praise for an Aussie manager for crying out loud. Of course it's, they're down on troops now with their two best players, sidelined till after Christmas, but it, it'll be interesting to see the tone. It can change quickly, Jared. You're never safe for long in the EPL, like it, it only takes a bad fortnight and people will turn, but hasn't it been a fun journey the, the first few months? And I love the way he said to encourage people, dream up, yeah. have your dreams, cheer on. He said, I'm not going to put the lid on any saucepan, you know, kick it up, kick, you know, enjoy. So they, they're they not used to hearing that. It's, it's, it's the whole competition is shrouded in give nothing away and conservatism and managers being ultra cautious. So, even if it, even if he never achieved another win, it's still been a stunning story, hasn't it? Yes. My goodness! Three months
1: in a row, manager of the month as the as the newcomer to the scene. The the note of caution around all um, the Spurs uh, media throughout has been: if they did hit injury, the squad doesn't yet have depth, and they have hit injury. So this was sort of the sum of fears that's starting to play out before us. But no, but a remarkable starting point. Um, uh, you're about to see Cam Smith. Uh, is it in your neck of the woods, Crash?
6: He
2: is. He arrived from uh, to today, I think, for, the, for the, to play the Queensland PGA in a couple of weeks. And <clears throat> he said over the weekend in a couple of podcasts how much he's enjoying travelling the world with Liv. Of course, the $140 million makes it pleasurable under any circumstances. But he did make one point that interests me, Jared, and that was – that he said, a lot of the American guys just love playing the PGA Tour in America, and that's great if it's your home. He said, but I sort of wanted to see the world as well. Aussies are natural uh, travelers. And um, yeah, I, I've heard golfers sort of hint that before that they feel in America, Americans just cannot understand why a golfer wants to play anywhere else. Yeah. Like when Cam said, I want to get home a bit, they said, really? You don't want to play here? Well, he actually does want to get home a bit. He always starts with a pie when he gets home, loves a home cooked pie. He goes down to his one team, of course, and he does this little thing where there's a guy who lives beyond the 10th fairway there who always used to have sandwiches (laughs) for kids and people as they're passing by. And he, he heard he wasn't well. So just very quietly last year he went and said, mate, how are you travelling? You all right? Like the superstar knocked on his door. It was quite a sweet story.
1: How big a draw card will he be in these weeks?
2: Oh, huge, huge. To the point where they don't really need anyone else. Yeah. Like, you know, Adam Scott's coming too and he's a draw card as well. And, the, and, and that divides the crowd, on course, which is wonderful. But Smith is very much the pied piper. No, no question about that. And it's just the... It, 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 you know, it's not just the fact that you know he's won the British Open. It's people relating to the fact that he's still yeah. like his dad. Dad still drives trucks, and you know he, he he he's very much a working class boy. Loves the Broncos, loves a pie, steak. That sort of gravitates around the younger audience who previously might have thought golf was a bit snooty, yeah. and. There's one other thing he does when he refers to Phil Mickelson occasionally. He just nonchalantly refers to him as Old Filthy. Like, <laughs> so Old Filthy played pretty well today. Like, and he, and he mentions it like you saying Mark Robinson is Robo. He said, "Yeah, Old Filthy had a good game today." Like, <laughs> I thought, you know, one of the iconic figures in golfing history has become Old Filthy. I love it.
1: What do you think? So I was having to think back over the year that we've had and just starting to nut out an order for when we um, review it all. And, and that week where Liv and the PGA merged, and yet we still have no clue uh, what the net effect of that is going to be, do we? Is The, the Adelaide tournament is going ahead next year. It's It's on sale, marked out on the calendar. It's very hard to sort of understand... Um, I know it's been tied up in court action and the
2: like, but nothing's come of it. No, no. And to the point where I know journalists who are ringing up senior professionals in America asking for what they know. And even before they've asked it, the, the professional says, what are you hearing? Like, they're so badly informed. I mean, the deal was struck as in we can't beat... You can't beat them, you've got to join them, so they're amalgamating. But there's no detail whatsoever. And as you said, Liv have got an academy up and running, so that seems to me they're planning five, ten years ahead. It is very, very mysterious. It, it really is. The only thing I do know is that the Liv boys all say they were so glad they made the plunge because, A, they're no soon enough they won't be banned and they're no longer out, um, outlaws and outcasts, you know? um sure they're not in the world rankings and 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 that that has taken its toll but you've got to give up something i mean for goodness sakes if you're being paid a hundred million to join somewhere you know like you can't go whinging oh gosh i'm not in the world rankings well sorry sunshine but there has to be sacrifices
1: Crash, great to chat on a Monday in, in what is uh, such an important week ahead of us. So, uh, yes, enjoy it. Um, well, by the time we talk next Monday, the final will have been played. Who will have played? Who's in the final in your book?
2: Um, Australia and New Zealand, Ooh. <laughs> to be a bit controversial. Yeah. And Australia to win in a last ball thriller, a um, last over thriller with a, with maybe a Maxwell Six. There you go, Jared. Hey, as Ange poster said, you're allowed to dream. Good stuff. Robert Craddock
1: on a Monday. Uh, brilliant. Brilliant. In the NFL that's been happening this morning, the Cowboys have thrashed the Giants 49-17. to 17. Catch every NFL game this season with Game Pass only on DAZN. Visit nfldazn.com forward slash NFL. We'll tidy up and set you up with Midday Madness next. Now, back to Waitley. A McCafe menu today, Tim Payne and Robert Craddock on the Cricket World Cup, and we had the Racing Means Test. McCafe, our official coffee partner, is there on the podcast, taking it at your leisure. In our memories of Patrick Smith, a lot of you have been sending through goose and goose of the week. So here goes. We'll hand them out. Paul in St. Leonard's carries the day with the goose. Please thank Hamish McLaughlin for the first four in the trifecta in the Oaks yet again. Four years running... Nice little collect. He's the Gary Young of Oaks Day. He is the carryover <laughs> champion. And the goose Block and Ringwood sent through this story. I imagine this is a friend. Vets Cricket. Dandenong District Cricket Association. Springy South opening batsman Travis Green tries a pull shot from the first ball. Skied it. The ball lands five metres from the stumps at the bowler's end. He attempts a single and got easily run out. Not only that, he was back in the sheds at 10.59 before the scheduled at 11 a.m. start, that's a bad day.
9: He's the goose of the week.
1: Julian DeStoop's <laughs> about to pick it up with Midday Madness. Hello, Jules. Very
9: Young, that brings back memories of the childhood, watching <laughs> yes. him on Sale of the Century. Speaking of good, did you see the surface Paradise Thirds, Cricket? I did. Oh, my goodness. Four for 174, chasing 178, got skittled. Six in and over. Did they take that, the gas? Unbelievable. Uh, gather Round, what do you... I love Gather Round. Yep. Collingwood Hawthorne? Is that the game, given the theatre around that? Should that first meeting between those two, Dacos, McGuinness, Ginevan, should that be in Adelaide? It makes for a big finish to the round. It does, but don't we want that here? And Could they somehow tweak that around that those two weren't playing the, for the first yeah. time? I understand well, I, you've got to have a selling point. You want to have
1: cachet. Yeah. So the Richmond Hordes descending on Norwood and the big finish mm. there, the Adelaide teams on the Friday night. I, I Yeah, I, I know that... The most important part of gather round was to gather, mm-hmm. and that will inspire people to gather.
9: Yeah, I like the fact there's one less game at Adelaide Oval. Yeah, there one too many, and Thursday night footy—it's oh, a bugbear of mine, Jared. Put
1: it on every Just week.
9: Do it. I, I know this causes a lot of debate, and I'm sure we'll get plenty of calls saying it's not easy to get to for some. But all time slots are not easy for everyone. Midday madness. Get going.
1: Flight Centre's big red sailors on with limited time offers on flights, cruises, holidays and tours. Book now and say big.